Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blues battled injuries like they may have never had before in their franchise history. The puck is dropped. The Colorado Avalanche beat the St. Louis Blues by a score of 5-2, sweeping the St. Louis Blues in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. 5-2 the final. Um, not great. No, it was not great. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Kierker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 7-1. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler on the morning after the Blues were jettisoned from the playoffs by the Colorado Avalanche and it was Michelle a total domination good morning how you doing well good morning (laughs) (laughs) you're right it was total domination they were the better team they deserved to win I think most of us thought it was going to be a tough road for the Blues to beat them anyway and then you have key guys that you're missing it's certainly a, a tough thing to overcome but I did not expect the Blues to get swept and I thought that they would put up more of a fight than this I did too, and obviously the injuries and losing David Perron was huge, huge for the Blues. They get outscored twenty to seven in the series. They were outshot one thirty nine to one ten. Philip Grubauer had a nine thirty six save percentage. He allowed only seven goals in the four games. And we always talk about your best players having to be your best players. Colorado's top three scorers: Nathan McKinnon, six goals, three assists, nine points in the four games. Gabriel Landeskog, two goals, six assists, eight points. And Mikko Rantanen, a goal and six assists, seven points. Your best players were clearly your best players. And that made all the difference in the world. And, oh, by the way, at the moment, Colorado's best players are better than the Blues' best players, even if you have Perron there. So there were a lot of things that went against the Blues in this series. Heading into the game yesterday, I believe Shen O'Reilly, Schwartz, and Tarasenko, obviously before Tarasenko got two yesterday, I think they had a combined two points. Yeah. You, right. you you need those guys to produce more than that, especially when you're missing somebody like David Perron. So the Blues lose in four straight to Colorado. And throughout the morning, we want to hear from you. How do you feel about it? And most importantly, where do the Blues go from here? We'll be t- discussing that throughout the morning. But just your general feelings about the Blues this season. Curbs mentioned the injuries, and we're going to talk to Curbs at 815. They were a huge part. Of, if you're going to write the story of the Blues season, your lead includes all of the games that you lost to injury. It's disappointing this morning because you thought that the Blues would have a better outcome. Even if they didn't win the series, you just you would like to feel better about the effort and their chances and their window to be a competitive team moving forward. But when I was thinking about this, when the Blues made the playoffs, what did we say? It's kind of amazing that they even made the playoffs considering mm-hmm. everything that they had to deal with all season. And that's why I don't think it's as simple as, They should blow it up. This team is not good enough. Yes, they need to make improvements. Yes, they need to take a a deep look internally and figure out what went wrong. But I also think this team 
really never had a shot. They never really had a shot to have the entire collection of team be together, be healthy, and have time to grow and figure out who they are. And Doug Armstrong said at the beginning of this run, when he got Ryan O'Reilly, he said, I wanted to open up a five-year window. Now you're three years into that five-year window, and of your last 10 playoff games, you've lost eight of them. And you've got Bozak heading to free agency. You've got Schwartz heading to free agency. You've got both Alexander Steen and uh, Carl Gunnarsson coming off of the books. So uh, Hoffman coming uh, up on free agency. It's probably going to be a pretty different looking team in 2021-2022. I would imagine Doug Armstrong has the old list in the top drawer that mm-hmm. of people that he's interested in. I would not be surprised if he goes out and shakes things up. That's something we'll discuss as we go along here. But yesterday, specifically, a 5-2 loss and a couple of empty net goals for Colorado. It was essentially a one-goal game. But overall, as we mentioned, the Blues outscored 20-7. to Take away the empty net goals, and it's 15-7. to Craig Berube, your thoughts? Yeah, at times. I mean, again, it really it boils down to some certain situations in all the games. You know, the games are pretty close, uh, but we let it slip away at some point, and that's what's uh, upsetting, you know, that we couldn't stay with it and just stay with it and, and um, you know, do a good job against that top line, do a good job against everybody defensively, and then go get that next goal. You know, we just couldn't find a way to do that. Michelle, I don't know that this particular team, and by the way, the style of the league is evolving here, so perhaps Craig Berube has to evolve, but I don't think this team fit his style. I don't think, and mm-hmm. I said before the season started, when they before they signed Mike Hoffman, he doesn't fit what Craig Berube is. Tory Krug, you're hoping that Tory Krug fits in on the power play, and that's another thing. We both picked the power play to be top two in the league. That's right. But Tory Krug weighs 185 pounds. Is Tory Krug a Craig Berube type player? I don't think overall this group of players and the way they play and the style with which they're capable of playing fits the style that Craig Berube wants to play with. No, you're missing a lot of big bodies and physical components that made the Blues a champion. You're missing Pat Maroon, who will get that big body in front of the net. You're mm-hmm. missing two huge defensemen in Alexander, or excuse me, in uh, Alex Petrangelo and Jay Bomeister. It's a different team. And I, I look back, Randy, to this time last year when the Blues were heading into the bubble. It almost feels like the bubble broke them in so many yeah, ways. it really does. It, it, they've never been the same since the bubble. And I know it's a different team, different collection of talent. But when I think about the way that the Blues were playing after they won the Stanley Cup and the way they were playing heading into the postseason last year before the pandemic shut everything down, and then to think about how we feel right now, one year later, how we feel about this team, it's night and day. Coach Ruby, overall, you had to scramble to make the playoffs. You did get swept out of the playoffs. What went wrong? Obviously, um, you know, we had a lot of injuries this year. Um, We never really had a complete lineup for a lot of the year. Um, You know, our special team struggled for quite some time, but then got better as, you know, the power play ended up pretty good this year in the PK. It's a tough hill to climb on a penalty kill, but... You know, I thought the penalty kill got a lot better down the stretch, too. Defensively, I thought we got a lot better. I didn't think we were good defensively early on in the season. Uh, maybe for, like, you know, half of the season where we were, uh, you know, not tight defensively. Um, and then the scoring part of it, you know, I thought it dried up down the stretch, to be honest with you, and into, into the playoffs. Uh, we, you know, our... our Our guys that are supposed to score goals and produce for us uh, didn't get it done. 
I thought yesterday when Vladimir Tarasenko got on the board and the Blues took the lead, that that might provide a spark for them. They're not chasing, and that didn't last long. <laughs> that, no. that didn't last long because you're looking at the factors and the things that hadn't gone the Blues' way and things that they needed are trends that they needed to reverse. One of them is get on the board early. One of them is have guys like Vladimir Tarasenko contribute. And when that happened, I thought, okay, maybe they're going to come out and they can at least put up a fight and, and take a game here. And then it's then it's one game at a time from there. But obviously that didn't happen. Ryan O'Reilly on his performance during the four games. Yeah, obviously I'm very disappointed with myself. It was, yeah, it was pretty pathetic. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really do much this series, especially against that top line who's, you know, they're a very good line. Obviously they're going to get chances and they're going to make plays, but still, uh, you know, I had the opportunity early to kind of to see a lot of that line and, and play them harder. And I just, I, I didn't do my job. And, you know, if I'm not doing my job, you know, can't expect anyone else to do, do theirs. So it's... Yeah, it's tough. You know, I, you know, I have to obviously improve, and especially in the crucial times, it's, uh, yeah, it's very disappointing. He led the Blues in points with three assists, but Michelle, you mentioned, and Craig Ruby mentioned, the lack of goals from the goal scorers. So Vladdy had two yesterday in the final game. Bozak had one in the series. Blay had one in the series. Hoffman had one in the series. Kairou Shen were your only goal scorers. Nothing from Robert Thomas, who also had three assists, by the way. Uh, but Tory Krug, no goals, two assists. Uh, Colton Pareko, no goals, one assist. Uh, you didn't see Falk in the last couple of games, so that hurt. And then Jaden Schwartz did nothing. He was minus five, didn't have a, a goal, didn't have an assist. So you did have key guys. In fact, nobody scored. But your best players were not your best players. And that can't happen. You have to be better than that. No. And O'Reilly, not one to make excuses, was asked about the Blues injuries. Yeah, you know, it's tough to think about that because, you know, I do think we have some great depth and guys that did uh, come in, especially on the back end, come in and play very well for us. But, um, yeah, the, the injuries are tough, you know. Obviously, we weren't the uh, best team and it's something we can't control. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. The injuries are tough, and I don't think it's excuse-making to say that. But I think even had the team been healthy, Colorado's just better. Right, I agree with you. Yeah, they are. They, they had the four lines going. They, they were, uh, hey, they're the best team going right now. It's not just better than the Blues. They're better than the other 30 teams in the league. So they're really good. And we want your mic drops. We want to hear from you as this show goes on. Meanwhile, cards took or lost two of three to the Cubs over the weekend. Michelle, I said before the homestand, I would be disappointed if the Blues didn't go four and one, had a great opportunity. Everything was playing out the way I thought it would. I figured they'd lose to Hendricks. And then mm -hmm. last night you get to extra innings and Baez goes yard, a cement mixer slider from Alex Reyes to Baez, who drops one into the grass in center field and the Cubs win it by a score of 2-1 to one over the Cardinals. Cardinals still in first place, but I just like to win games like that. The, the getaway day, the opportunity mm -hmm. to take the series, just everything that goes into it. Against a team that you're better than, I would have liked to have won that game. And Adam Wainwright once again with another Warrior performance. He's been great this season. But the, the Cardinals had their chances. Bases mm -hmm. loaded yeah. in, in the seventh. You have your, your best player up at the plate. You, you, you need to capitalize on that. They had their moment. They, they did. And overall, you, you take three and two, you win. If you win 60% of your games, you win three out of five, you're going to win your division. So that is 
good, but you just had an opportunity to win, and you went 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position, including a sack fly. And the Cardinals still at 26 and 22 game lead over the Cubs in the division. A couple of other notes from yesterday, and this isn't just a note, this is awesome. Bill Mickelson, <laughs> the oldest player ever to win a major at the age of 50. Uh, you were busy this weekend. Did you get a chance to watch any of this? I did. I I, le- I was in Chicago for Friday and Saturday, left super early on Sunday, got home, was able to watch some of the PGA. It was great. He was I wearing, watched a little on Saturday, yeah. too, actually. Wearing these sunglasses, he would close his eyes and visualize his shots, took all the time in the world, and he's at the age of 50, he's trying to get better. He's getting involved in the mental game. And what a thrill to see him play the way he did the last time he'd won the pga championship was 05 and now he wins in 2021 50 is the new 40 could be first guy to ever win a tournament 30 years after winning his first tournament he won his first tournament in 91 and now he wins in 2021 and not only did phil win but i won because you (sighs) and i both picked five golfers so later on michelle's gonna have to spin the wheel of punishment great so the Blues get swept, mm-hmm. they're bounced out of the playoffs, the Cardinals lose to the Cubs, and I lost too. The trifecta. Great. It, it happens. But I will say... Good it was, effort. Good job, good effort, like the LeBron kid. Yeah. But I, when I'm watching Phil do what he's doing over the weekend, I can't help but let that thought creep into my mind about Tiger Woods. Me too. I, I mean, and we're going to talk about this later in the show, but Tiger... Sees a guy win at 50, you think that's motivation for him? It's got to be motivation for Tiger. As if he needed any more motivation. Right. After knowing he's going to have to go through what seems like to be a very tough rehab. A lot of people counting him out, saying that he's never going to be able to do this again. So motivation on top of motivation. Then he sees one of his peers be able to do it at 50. His biggest rival. His biggest rival and his peer. Throw another log on that fire. And the thing about Tiger Woods is we haven't, gotten a lot of information about the injury a lot of that hasn't been made available so we don't know the severity we don't know how he's recovering we're not able to get a glimpse into what he's dealing with but what i do know is that no one is as tenacious as tiger woods and no one will work harder to come back and no one will put themselves in a better position to do what phil did than tiger that's michelle i'm randy and we're off and running here on 101 espn coming up get your text into the air comfort service text line 65780 we've got a little game of start one bench one cut one it's coming your way on 101 espn Ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. Carriker and Smallman. Solid athlete, solid arm. Start one. Warm up. You're going in. Bench one. Mediocre. Hit the shower. Cut one. You're off the team. I put head. What? Start one, bench one, cut one on Carriker and Smallman. All right, we want your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Start one, bench one. Cut one. Michelle and Randy with you. And Michelle, I've got a blues free agent edition. Okay? Okay, ready. Start one. Bench one. Cut one. Jaden Schwartz, Tyler Bozak, Mike Hoffman. Okay, say that again. Hoffman, Bozak. Schwartz, all free agents. Okay. I am going to start Schwartz. I'm going to bench Bozak, and I'm going to cut Hoffman. That is exactly the way that I would go. And... I thought about it a lot last night, and as good as Tyler Bozak has been for the Blues, he missed a lot of games this year, and he's going to turn 36 years old. Mm-hmm. And the Blues need to get younger, 
and they need to get more durable. And he's obviously older and missed a bunch of games this year. And Mike Hoffman just doesn't fit what the Blues are. Mike Hoffman is a great power play specialist. That's what he does. But he just doesn't fit. When you're addressing 12 forwards, you can't have a power play specialist. And that's no. what he is. And Schwartzy, as rough a year as he had, still plays the defensive end. He still plays conscious with, with a conscience. And he's really the only left wing they have. So I'm going to go the exact same way. Mike Hoffman, his time in St. Louis likely done. Yeah. Yeah. And... He can go somewhere and play. If if he could, if, if there were a really deep team, he, he would fit. But there's a reason that guy was playing on a PTO at the beginning of training camp for the Blues, and a reason that J- Joel Quenville wasn't slamming the table to try to bring him back in Florida either. Mm-hmm. Good call. Okay, Randy, I was at the game last night, the Cardinals game last night, first time at Bush Stadium since fans are allowed back in. Mm-hmm. It was amazing to be back. There's, there's a certain smell that the ballpark has that you can't get anywhere else. And the second you walk in the gate, it hits you, and it just feels like home. It's great. But as I'm there last night, I forgot about some of the nuances of ballpark life. So I want you to start one, bench one, cut one. Okay. The wave, the woo, or a chant, as in yadi, yadi. So the wave, a woo, or a chant. Okay, uh, clearly woo gets cut by clearly, me. Clearly. Uh, so woo is cut. A uh, chant is definitely my uh, start one. Yadi, yadi, Ozzy, Ozzy, whatever it might Nolan, Nolan, right, whatever. Right. And uh, wave is benched, but the wave is much more palatable to me than the woo. I can't imagine that people go to the ballpark. I can't imagine any sober people do woo. All right, you don't go to the ballpark with the plan of doing woo at the end of the game. But I can't imagine that a sober person would be sitting there in the eighth or ninth inning going woo either. It is the most annoying aspect to ballpark life. Mm -hmm. It really is. It really is. And you know what's funny about that is there was one guy behind us that did do the woo, and then probably an inning later, he accidentally kicked his beer over and it spilled everywhere. So I think you're right. I think the woo and beer go hand in hand. Yeah, and this is not Katie woo. This is just the people going Ric Flair woo. So, yeah, Chant absolutely gets the start. Wave gets the bench and woo gets cut. Are you kind of surprised that the wave has been able to last as long as it has? I am, but I think it is a product of boredom at the ballpark. Yeah. And I thought it was striking last night watching on TV. Behind home plate, pretty much everybody was looking at their phone. Really? Yeah. That's sad. Yeah, but that's where that's we are. a fun game. And it's, I would think that if you haven't been to the ballpark in a long time and you want to clap and stuff, you put the phone down, but it's just doesn't work that way. That's why ballparks are quieter now, because people are on their phone and they don't clap anymore. Well, I'm surprised then that so many people do the wave. Yeah, right. With their but heads least, down, they, they can't realize but what's l- happening. At least you can stand up and have your phone in your hand. And that's true. Great call. Emily is out this week. She's on vacation. And Marty Jenkins is going to produce and engineer this week. And he's also going to take your text, 65780. Good morning, Marty. How are you doing? Thank you. Good to be here, guys. Glad, glad to have you with us. Thank you. From the 618, Mahomes, Brady, Rogers. Okay, let's. Are we doing this? Let's set a rule here. Yeah. Because all time you take Brady. So let's do it right now. Right now? Yeah. Okay, so Mahomes, I'm going Brady, to start Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to. Oh, this is tough. I'm going to. I hate, I hate to do this. I'm going to. 
bench Rodgers and I'm going to cut Brady. I can't believe I just cut Tom Brady. He's the reigning he's the Super Bowl champion. He's yeah. the GOAT. I can't believe I But that but just happened. But you kept the league MVP. I did. But don't you think out of those three, well, you'd take Mahomes? Here's the thing. You are Bruce Arians, and you're given the choice, and you rank him one, two, three, all right? Well, may, let's not say Bruce Arians because he's 69 years old. Let's put this in the hands of... Brian Flores. Brian Flores. Okay, we're the Dolphins. Our guys. Yep. And you're building not only for what he's done, but for what you think he's capable of doing in 2021. You take Mahomes... Then you take Rodgers. Then you take Brady. Yeah. But doesn't it feel weird to cut it Tom Brady? It does. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really does. And especially because Brady beat Rodgers in the NFC Championship game on mm-hmm. Rodgers' home turf. Yep. But I would go the same way. Okie dokie. Remember the Titans, Rudy, Friday Night Lights. All right. Uh, question here. Mm-hmm. I need a clarification, Marty. Are we talking Friday Night Lights, the show, or Friday Night Lights, the movie? No, three football movies. Just want to make sure. Okay, remember the Titans, Rudy, and Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Okay. I'm ready, Randy, whenever you are. Okay. I know a lot of people love Friday Night Lights, the show, and the book. I don't think the movie really lived up to either of those. Oh, Billy Bob? Tim McGraw? Remember the Titans, is probably the number one football movie ever made. Oh. Uh, Rudy made me cry. Yes, it did. And uh, Friday Night Lights didn't really tug at my heartstrings. But uh, even though it was good, but we got to cut one. So I am starting Remember the Titans. I am benching Rudy, and I am cutting Friday Night Lights. I have the exact same order. And... Wait, you have Remember the Titans first, Rudy second, Friday Night Lights you're yes, cutting? correct. So I'm cutting Friday Night Lights because the show is so far superior to the movie. So why would I mm-hmm. Why would I keep the movie around when the show is better? I'm actually, I'm going to reverse this now. I'm going to start Rudy. I'm going to bench Remember the Titans. Sorry, Sunshine. And I'm going to cut Friday Night Lights. And even though Rudy is a dramatic recounting mm-hmm. of, yeah. of what happened at Notre Dame during that time. It was an in- incredible movie. It makes you cry. When Rudy's dad finally gets to go to the stadium. I was just thinking the same thing. I was going to say, uh, this is the greatest sight these uh, the, the, these eyes have ever seen. This is the That's most great. beautiful sight these, these eyes, eyes have, have ever seen. seen. Yeah. How do you not feel as a sports fan everything right. he's feeling in that moment? I felt that way when I walked into yeah. Bush Stadium last night. When, when you get to finally go to the game... And you're in that environment. And think about Rudy's dad. He was a diehard Notre Dame fan his entire life. That alone makes me want to start Rudy. They really made Dan Devine look like a Richard in that movie. (laughs) Yeah, they did. Big time. (laughs) All right, let's transition to food. Pie, actually. Pumpkin pie, apple pie, banana cream pie. Okay, Michelle, I I know this is controversial, especially for you. Okay. I am going to start apple. Okay. I am going boy this the second one is okay you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna bench banana cream and I am cutting pumpkin pie pumpkin pie is a once a year endeavor it's not something that over the Memorial Day is coming up a week from today are we would we even dream of pumpkin pie on Memorial Day no could you think of apple pie maybe just in the recesses of your mind apple pie on Memorial Day sure banana cream pie be great on Memorial Day nice cool refreshing so because you really can't start at very best pumpkin has to be a bench player 
So pumpkin pie gets cut by me. Banana pre- cream pie is going to get uh, benched. And my, my starter is apple pie. Baseball hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. That's America. Yep. Um, Mel Kuyper eats pumpkin pie every day. So he would push wow. back and say that it is a 365-day-a-year pie. He's the one. He is the one. I am going to start banana cream pie mm. because I think it's the most flavorful and delicious of the three. I'm going to bench apple pie. feel badly about it. And I'm going to cut pumpkin pie because I don't even think pumpkin pie is that great. Yeah, it's, uh, I would prefer yeah. a pecan pie. I at, would too. At Thanksgiving. Before right. Do you say pecan or pecan? I say pecan. I say pecan too. Yeah, not pecan. I think pecan might be a, sa- a southern thing, an SEC thing. Well, then maybe we should say it. But Yeah. Pecan we, pie. Pecan. Yeah. I'll tell you what. You make a great point about pumpkin pie. Really, the only reason we eat it is because it's traditional. Yeah. It's not because it's great. No, it's not because Be- it's great. If you had, and you and I are great at power rankings. Yes. I'm not so sure that I would put pumpkin, certainly not in my top five, but I don't know if I'd, I think I can find 10 pies that I like better than pumpkin. Agreed. You're never going to go to a restaurant and order pumpkin pie. No, uh, unless it's like on a traditional holiday or something. Right. So it, that's why it has its strength is because it's in tra- it's a traditional thing. And if you have so banana cream pie has the whipped cream element, yep. um, apple pie great with a scoop of ice cream, and pumpkin pie you have whipped cream or you have Cool Whip or whatever. Yep. But it's it's not at, like banana cream pie is great alone. Apple pie is great alone. Pumpkin pie without the topping not as great. No. All right, Todd from the five seven three. This is a good one in terms of starting a college game. Tebow, Leinart, or Vince Young? Oh. This is great. That is an awesome one. I Go ahead, Michelle. I got to think about this. Okay. I think one game, and I'm going to pick my poison here at quarterback. Co- college. We're talking specifically right, college. college. Yeah. I'm starting Tim Tebow. I'm benching Vince Young, and I'm sorry, but I'm cutting Matt Leinart. But I just think one game... And maybe it's because, of course, when I think of Vince Young, I think about that national championship game. And he beat Matt Leonard he in that did. game. And so if I have one game, but Tim Tebow was an uncollege player, I would not count him out ever in this scenario. So I'm going Tebow, I'm going Young, and then I'm cutting Liner. You Sorry. got it right. There's absolutely no way you can dispute that because Tebow... His team lost a game, and he came up to the podium afterwards and cried and said, we aren't going to lose again. And then they didn't. <laughs> and then they didn't, yeah. So, yeah, Tebow, he was he was the most dominant college football player ever. Yeah. Maybe not the best, but the most dominant. He, he won games. He's still relevant now because yeah, of how good he right, was in college. Right. And then Vince Young because of that one game. And he, he got drafted in the top five because of that one game. And then Matt Leinart because – I, I think we could find other guys to bench rather than Matt Leiner. Matt Leiner was a product of having such a great supporting cast, Lindale White and Reggie Bush and the wide receivers, Steve Smith that they had. They were, he, he was a product, as he showed in the NFL, of having a great supporting cast. Marty, you got one more? Uh, yeah, Mark from the 618, pancakes, French toast, waffles. I think we may have done this before. Yeah. I'm going pancakes, I'm going waffles, I'm going French toast. I'm cutting French toast. It's, he- it's just heavy. Yeah. French toast has to be specially done if you're going to do it. And I'm with you. That gets cut. And, uh, yeah, pancakes, one, waffles, 
two, and I, it's a hard coin flip for me. I'll go today, pancakes, one waffles, two. Can I give you one text? Yeah. From the 314? Pumpkin, take it or leave it. Pumpkin pie is the Notre Dame of pies, only relevant because of tradition. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm going to work on my top 10 pies, which won't include pumpkin during this break. Can I was going to say, by the end of the show, can we get that done? Yeah. Your, your pie power we'll, we'll have it. Okay, good. No doubt about it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Marty is here. Coming up, where do the Blues go from here? What are their biggest off-season needs? We want to hear from you with your mic drops. The Rhino Shield mic drop. We'll take your texts. 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Where do the Blues go from here is next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Kirker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy, and we invite your texts and your mic drops. Where do the Blues go from here? Michelle, obviously, as the coach and players talked about yesterday, the Blues were highly affected by injuries. Mm -hmm. They are a team that, over the last couple of years, has gotten substantially older. They've added some youth, but they are not a team that, by any stretch, would be considered young. And then we saw issues on both ends of the ice in terms of being in the crease. Too many opponents in the crease and not enough blues in the crease. So I I think they need to get younger. They need to get faster. They need to get healthier and they need to get bigger. And I don't think they need a major overhaul, but they do need to find specifically a right defenseman that's reliable enough to play on a regular basis behind Falk and Pareko that'll knock somebody out of the crease. I believe Mikola is going to be a fine defenseman. Mm-hmm. So on the left side, kind of stuck with Scandella. He's going to be there probably, hopefully, as number three. And then Mikola and Krug. And then you've got enough depth. You'll have Perunovic back. Uh, you'll probably have Bortuzzo on the team. You've got enough depth there. But then the other thing you need to do is figure out your fourth line. When I talk about getting younger and hungrier and faster, you need you need a fourth-line winger that plays like Alexander Steen did. If you get a chance to watch Tampa, watch Blake Coleman play. He's a free agent this year. Or you can get a poor man's type guy. You could you know, Matt Nieto from San Jose is a free agent. Uh, Howla, Eric Howla is a free agent. There's some guys out there. If you want a, a, a better guy, though, just watch a guy like Coleman who made such a big difference for them in winning the championship last year. And then there's a there's a million defensemen out there. Army is great at identifying those guys. So they can make some changes. You're going to, for better or worse, Tarasenko is going to be on your team. Perron needs to come back and be healthy. Uh, I, I believe they'll try to sign Jaden Schwartz. Shen is going to be here. Getting, by the way, I think you'll agree with me, Oscar Sundquist back oh, is yeah. going to be monstrous for this franchise. We have not talked enough about how much not having Oscar Sundquist was a detriment to this team. Huge. He, absolutely huge. I'm with you. When I look back at some of the things, some of the components that made the Blues a championship team, I think about the big shutdown defensemen. Those big bodies, we, we need that. The Blues certainly need to go out. They need to get more size, especially on the defensive side. And I'm with you. The Blues really miss Pat Maroon. They miss not only a big body in front of the net that's going to be a pest there and get those deflection goals in there, but I also think the Blues need somebody with the attitude of a Pat Maroon, Mm -hmm. with that grittiness, with the... Oh, you have a big hit on us, a big hit on Justin Falk. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that our presence feels felt here. We need a guy that's going to skate by the opposition's bench and say you guys are bleeped. Yeah, the Blues are right. are missing that. Yeah, and I don't believe he's a fine player, taking nothing away from Kyle Clifford, 
but I don't believe he's the fit for what they need from a fourth-line guy. And just in terms of the size and speed, Clem Costin has to be in the lineup next year mm-hmm. based on what we heard about him from the KHL. But the Blues do need somebody that provides some attitude, the, uh, somebody who's a chirper. And ironically, their coach is the best at chirping, but he's coaching. They need a player that has that same sort of attitude. Absolutely. And then when I look at the Blues opponents and what helps them have success and what the Blues may be lacking, I think you hit it on the head with speed. Colorado was just so skilled and so fast. Mm -hmm. And at times it looked like the Blues were overwhelmed by it. And so if they could add that component, and I know it's easier said than done, that would be great too. And maintaining puck possession, we talked about it throughout the course of the four games. They weren't able to do that. And Perron will help in that regard. I hope the Blues have enough guys, and I think Sunquist is a big part of that. I hope the Blues have enough guys that will allow them to continue to play because Berube has a style of play, and I don't believe he's changing it. From the 314, Randy, I hope Tarasenko gets healthy. The Blues re-sign Schwartz if it's less than $5 million a year, re-sign Bozak if it's around $1.5 a year. If not, sign two Sunquist-type players, drop Hoffman, trade Sanford and Dunn for a tough, mean, bruising top three defenseman. I think... Vince Dunn probably is the guy that gets taken by Seattle in the expansion draft. He's a restricted free agent. I don't believe that Zach Sanford has a tremendous amount of value, and he's a restricted free agent too. And the Blues might just not re-sign him. So uh, I I don't know that he has trade value. You hope that Tarasenko, I agree, bounces back because he's going to be here. I think most of what the Blues can do is available to them in free agency. From the 636, the Blues need Matthew Kachuk. He would solve several issues. Yeah, and somebody, I didn't get a chance to check. Somebody reported that the Ottawa, or somebody tweeted me that the Ottawa Sun reported that Kachuk might be available in a trade. He'll be a free agent after 2023. So he's got two more years left before he becomes a free agent. That would be really interesting. And I would give up a lot because, Michelle, when you talk about everything, when you talk about Pat Maroon, Matthew Kachuk is Pat Maroon times two because he's such a, such a, he's no fun to play against. He's miserable to play against. And the Blues need that guy. And he'll talk yep. and he'll fight. He's got all of those elements that you're looking for. He, he would be perfect for this team. Can you imagine to the pride he would have wearing the note? Like he would, it's oh, his yeah. hometown. It would be unbelievable to see him come play for the Blues. Right. It would, And I believe the Blues have a desire at some point down the line to have him. Yeah, if you could get him in a trade, you do it. Big time. From the 636, the Blues need to focus on their puck control, defense, and physical play. All three of them. Absolutely. And then having scored seven goals in the series, you need to score goals too. Hey, let's get a quick mic drop, shall we, here on 101 ESPN. When did we become a dump and chase team? It would be dump and chase you got to be physical. We're not. We're a finesse team. Oh, and we can't pass the puck to each other. And we're a shooting team, and we don't shoot. I don't think this team knows what it is anymore. It's one of the things that Craig Ruby talked about yesterday is they spent the year trying to figure out what their identity is. Mm-hmm. And we know what they want their identity to be in talking to David Perron every week and hearing from the coach. But he's right. They did not establish that identity. And it Going back to Maroon, he was a big part of that. Hard to do, though, when you're dealing with injury after Mm -hmm. injury after injury, and at points in the season, you're essentially treading water. Right. If you're going to look at the Blues' identity from a couple of years ago, 
part of it is gone in Bo Meester and Petrangelo. Big time. And, and Alexander Steen. Right. And, and then you lose Sunquist, and Schwartz is not himself. If, you, if you're picking out what the Blues were, they were a blue-collar team that got up and down the ice and played both ends of the ice, knocked people out of the crease, and maintained puck possession. That was another big thing that Bo and Petro did, is they got the pa- pa- good pass into, into the neutral zone. Guys could catch passes. Everything our Mike Dropper said is right on. It's the, the team was a lot different in this season, 2021, than it was in 2019. Want to get one more text in? Sure, from the 314. I think a lot of this offseason in terms of the direction the Blues are going will be determined by Vladdy and Schwartz and what the Blues decide to do with them. And they can go one of two ways with Schwartz. They can either sign him or not. And I don't think he'll make as much money as he made this year because of the flat cap. And he he has been hurt. And I believe he likes it here. And then Tarasenko, he's got two years left at $7.5 million a year. And he's played 24 plus 2, 26, 30. He's played 36 games in the last two years. You want to trade for that guy? I don't. I don't either. And if you're Seattle, do you want to take him? I don't. I don't. No. So you have to hope that he gets healthy and bounces back. By the way, he said his shoulder is 100%, which is good. But he's got the groin injury, and he needs to bounce back and be better. And then he needs to try harder. He just needs to be more visible. And maybe he was affected by the injury. But you can't have a player that's supposed to be what he's supposed to be. Money's not an issue here. What he's supposed to be and have him not show up and not be visible as often as he was invisible. It's an issue. All right. Thanks for your text. Thanks for your mic drops. And we'll talk more about this as we go along. But coming up next, we've got Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Michelle and Randy with you. Your text 65780. Marty Jenkins will have your take it or leave it text. Michelle, I've got a simple one. Okay. Because of what happened this weekend, take it or leave it, you will see Tiger Woods play in a major at the age of 50. I'm going to take it. I'll definitely take it. I'm taking it too. Interesting because I have a take it or leave it from the golf world too. So Phil won the PGA at 50 years old, becoming the oldest major champion. Take it or leave it, he wins another one. I'm going to leave it. I think this was the shooting star, and I would love to see it, but it's really hard for somebody at that age to play for four days. Everything fell into place for him, and I'm just going to take the field. Although, I took the field against him this weekend, and that didn't work out too well. Just reading and listening to him talk about the adjustments that he's made in the in the mental game, mm-hmm. I wonder if that might be beneficial for him, and he might go on a little bit of a run here. And he's in clearly better condition than he's ever been in as we've watched him play golf right yeah so he and maybe that'll be what sets him apart is his abilities mentally to to win because he like Bryson DeChambeau physically Phil was playing a different mental game than everybody else this weekend he definitely was all right to your tech 65780 Marty Jenkins what do you got uh, Matt wants to know if Acuna, excuse me, Acuna will be the first 50-50 in Major League Baseball history. Ooh. Take it or leave it. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to leave that. I don't think anybody's going to go 50-50. I 
but if anybody had the ability, he would be it. But I, I'm going to say that in my lifetime, we don't have anybody go 50-50. I'm I'm with you. I'm going to leave it. But if I was going to pick somebody to do it, he might be my horse. Yeah, he's not a bad horse to go with. When you look at what has happened with the stolen base, people just don't steal 50 bases anymore. And because of that, that that's why I don't think that we're going to have one. Let me just go, uh, let's see, yearly league leaders. Uh, the last time somebody stole 50... D. Gordon in 2017 stole 60. Villar, VR, and Gordon and VR certainly aren't going to hit 50 home runs. Uh, VR stole 62. D. Gordon 58 and 64. But you haven't had a guy that is a home run hitter that's stolen 50 in a long time. Mike Trout had a year 2012 where he stole 49. Yeah, I just don't see it happening. Take it or leave it from the 314. The Cards will win this upcoming series against the White Sox. Ooh, good. I like the question. And I'm going to, I'm going to leave it, Michelle. Why you think the White Sox are better, or you think Tony Larusa might have a little extra juice against his former team? Well, there's no doubt that he'll have some <laughs> juice against his former team. But I, I tend to look at the pitching pairings too, and I, I just don't like the way KK has been going lately. So mm-hmm. you've got Lynn and KK tonight, and then tomorrow uh, the White Sox will have, uh, or yeah, that's tonight is Lynn and KK. Tomorrow's game, uh, Flaherty and Giolito, a couple of high school teammates. That Love that matchup. But uh, I kind of like them in that one. And then the Wednesday game. Hold on, let me get to the Wednesday game. Who do we got? I don't even remember who's pitching. But I just, I don't feel good about the pitching pairings in general. Uh, take it or leave it from the 618 here. Let's see. I lost I lost my place because uh, I was going to look at the Wednesday yeah. pitching Wednesday matchup. Wednesday is Gant and Rodon. Okay. Oh, and Rodon's okay. pitched very well for the White Yes. Sox. How about this one from the 636? Take it or leave it. If Doug, Doug Armstrong had a do-over, he would rather have Petro instead of Falk and Krug. Uh, yeah, if everything was equal and Petro wasn't asking for the no-movement clause, I would say I, I, I would take it. But... If any of those three asked for a no-movement clause, then they would not have been on the Blues roster. Agreed. And Petro got one from Vegas. He did, but boy, do we miss him. Yeah. <laughs> and from the 618, the Cards will have at least three gold glovers this season. Arnado. I think Yachty. I'll, Real Muto's been hurt a lot. Uh-huh. So, and, and Yachty. There's a great piece, by the way, that Buster only put up at 6 o'clock this morning on Yachty at uh, 101 ESP, or uh, at ESPN.com. I'll go. Ah, uh, no, Goldie's not going to win it. Bader? Bader should win it. He's the best going. So, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it, too. Yeah, best going in the National League, at least. So, yeah, that, that, good call. And I don't think Tyler O'Neill. I don't think he'll be healthy enough and play regularly enough to win another one. Take it or leave it. This was the softest Blues playoff team ever. I'm going to leave that. Those teams in the 90s, the, the Hull and Oates teams... Those were not exceptionally tough teams. So I'm going to leave that easily. That, yeah, Ryan O'Reilly would have been far and away the, the hardest player on those teams. Is this team in the photo? No, no, no. The Blues have had a lot of soft. Uh, they've had 44 playoff teams. Yeah, they, they've had a lot of teams that were built strictly on skill and didn't have much toughness at all. From 573, take it or leave it. Flaherty notches 20 wins this season. Take it. I'm going to take it, too. He's at eight right now. Yep, he's got a good start. Yeah, and on pace for, what, 20? 
well, 32. He's not going to win that many. But, yeah, I think he, he does win 20. Marty, thank you very much. Thank you. That's Marty, and that's Michelle, and I'm Randy, and this is 101 ESPN. Coming up, Miles Michaelis back to the IL. What's going to happen with him, and what happens with the Cardinals starting rotation? That's next on 101 ESPN. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I need to continue our conversation that we were having here during the break. And, Michelle, last Thursday before you left, Mm -hmm. you said, are we going to do 75 hard again? I did ask you that. Can we start tomorrow rather than today? Sure. Okay. You want to start? I'm game if you are. Of course, I'm game. Okay. Now, here's here's the difference. I was able to complete it the first time. I did 27 days. And you did a great job. It was a very rainy day. I got up, I think, that day at 4 in the morning to get a walk-in outside so that we could complete our outdoor workout. And this is like February, right? It was It was one of the worst days of my life. It was awful. Now, I have more confidence this time around in you than me. Really? Yes. I, will, I can handle, if it's pouring and 75 degrees, I can handle that. If it's pouring and 20 degrees, I cannot handle that. And that's why I missed last time. But now things are getting back to normal. Our social calendars yep. are starting to book up. I have some trips that are certainly in the true. mix there. There's no way when I'm on vacation that I'm going to be working out twice a day. Well, we can. So I'm saying okay. you have a better chance of completing it this time yeah, than we'll, I do. We'll, we'll, but I'm with you. I'll, I'll go okay. on this journey with you. Okay, we'll put some qualifiers in it because that's it's not fair. No, but that's the whole point of 75 Hard is you're supposed to drink a gallon of water. If you have... One ounce less that you didn't complete it. You have to do every single thing every day. I will. I'll, I'll work on it. I'm certainly not going anywhere. We should get people to join us on this journey so that's that when I idea. dip out, you, you're not alone. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I, I need help. I need motivation. All right, uh, Michelle, bad news over the weekend for the Cardinals. Miles Michaelis started on Saturday night. We were all excited about it because he hadn't pitched since 2019. Didn't pitch at all last year and coming off of the forearm tightness and coming off of the injury that he had last year we're thinking okay the cardinals have another innings eater who can fill up the strike zone be efficient and this is a guy that can be a difference maker for this Mm -hmm. team he goes four innings leaves the game forearm tightness unbelievable and i'm with you i thought that getting him back would be great for the rotation and for everything that you just mentioned because of the fact that he could eat innings throw strikes i thought he could be a great infusion for the rotation however there was that nagging thing in the back of my mind that we talked about when he initially got injured that we have seen the end of this movie before when it comes to Cardinals pitchers and injuries. And I just had some sort of a feeling that this was not going to play out well, and I hate to see it. I want Miles Michaelis to be healthy, not only for him and everything that he's worked towards, but for the team's success. But I'm not altogether surprised that this is no. the news we're talking about today. And... I know that this sounds like somebody who just has a negative attitude about this sort of a situation, but I go all the way back to the mid-80s with Danny Cox. Every time I hear forearm tightness, I say, just give him Tommy John now. Text 65780 if you think the same thing. Forearm tightness for a pitcher, give him Tommy John now. Get it over with. 
It's, right? it's likely going to happen. He's going to have it. So j- just get it over with. So now the Cardinals are without Mike. Listen, I know Mike Schilt said yesterday no real structural damage that they've seen so far. And the question now is, because the Cardinals were going to go with a six-man rotation, what does the rotation look like without him? Right now we're going to go through the Chicago series with who we've declared, and then we're going to evaluate um, and have already evaluated the moves, whether to stay with a five-man or, or bring up somebody for a spot start, you know, likely, obviously, Oviedo. Um, we're still making that determination. And one thing that the Cardinals can think about, because they have so many relief pitchers, is the possibility of a bullpen start, at least in the 17 games in 17 days, to tide the Redbird pitching over. Yeah, if we had the uh, day off, but I, there's, you know, that that would be a, you know, that wouldn't be very uh, timely in the middle of a 17-game stretch to get your bullpen south in a, a real hurry. If we had a day off, yeah, you could maybe maybe justify that. But again, you know, it's hard to schedule that because you don't know what you've got two days leading up to that. You know, you could feel like, oh, we're fresh, and then you know, a couple early starts and a couple and extra innings or something happens, and you know, your bullpen can go from. Um, clean to, to a little dirty real quick and it can go to dirty to clean real quick with a you know quality start or two so it's just um <clears throat> it's too hard to have a crystal ball for that to happen um but uh, i don't think that's something we look at during this kind of stretch so it's not going to be a bullpen game which it shouldn't be and mm-hmm. they've got a built-in guy michelle in oviedo right. so even though he hasn't won a game as a starter in the major leagues at least you've got a guy that you think can give you about four innings take it or leave it miles michaelis pitches for the cardinals again this season I'm going to take it. I think they're going to go down this road kind of like they kept doing with Mark Mulder. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, Mulder was a shoulder, obviously. But I just think that they're going to do everything they can because... Of the contract? Of the contract, yeah. He's, <laughs> the, his first start of a four-year contract, 2021, 22, 23. The first start of the contract was Saturday night. And they're... I'm. Sh- obviously hoping that they can get through this situation without him having to undergo surgery. I, I would bite the bullet and say, okay, just get her done. He, and he already had one forearm surgery, by the way, yeah. and they didn't do Tommy John, but th- that's what this leads to is Tommy John surgery. But you can't just have the surgery until you have to well, have the surgery, right? you can replace right? the tendon. You can, it, it's, all you do is replace the ulnar collateral ligament with a ligament from your leg. And, or, or your other arm, if you want. It's like you, you get one out of your forearm and put it in your elbow and fix her up. If you knew you had to have Tommy John surgery, of all the injuries you could be dealing with, that surgery seems to be so perfected now right. for pitchers. You'd almost rather just get that out of the way rather than deal with something that could be like a, a Michael Walker type situation where it's not something that is easily fixable or that you could potentially battle forever. At least you have an entire group of people that you can look at that have had Tommy John that have had success afterwards. The other part of this is that we don't know anymore how good Miles Michaelis is. Great point. Because he was really good in 18, but then when he came back in 2019, he was not very effective and he was healthy. So is he a guy that last time you saw him for a full season went 9 and 14 with a 4.16 earned run average is he going to be very good is there is this something that we should even be concerned about and i know we have texters saying that they need to go out and get a starting pitcher my belief and i this might be completely off base but my belief is that 
you get by with what you have until the All-Star break. And at that point, you'll you'll have had Liberator, who you gave up Randy Rosarena for, and Zach Thompson, who you spent a first-round draft choice on. And those guys will have spent May and June pitching at the minor league level. And you take a look at those guys. I would do that before I would go out and trade for anybody short of Max Scherzer. I was just going to say, I'm on the phone for Scherzer. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm trying to do if I'm in the Cardinals front office now. Is that going to be something that's attainable for them? I don't know. But that's where I start the conversation. And obviously the Nationals want to keep Max Scherzer. But the other thing you have to look at here is that the Nationals are only two and a half games out of the lead in the East. Now, granted, they're in last place, but you are close to a playoff spot. Everybody who's within two and a half of a playoff spot should be thinking about adding rather than subtracting, especially to kind of like the Blues, right? They won the championship two years ago, so they don't have Rendon anymore, and they've they've lost multiple pitchers, but they still have the core of a team that won two years ago, and that ownership probably thinks, okay, we can take one last shot. If we're going to hopefully get Strasburg back this year, we're paying Corbin all this money, we've got Scherzer, why not take a shot? If I were in the shoes of the Nationals, yeah. I would not be inclined to trade Max Scherzer. No, I'd be very reluctant to deal an all-star, a Cy Young Award winner, a world champion, and not to mention the heart and soul in a lot of ways of that team. I would be very reluctant to do it. But if I'm John Mozeliak, I'm picking up the phone. Yeah, because not only do you have a starting rotation, who granted has given you more innings lately, but still walks a ton of guys. And you've got a group that Adam says, hey, I'm, I'm the old guy. They can pitch me as much as they want. If I blow out, I blow out. I've mm-hmm. had a great career. Flaherty still hasn't had Tommy John. I don't know about KK, but KK has dealt with injuries this year already. John Gant walks the world. I mean, it, it's it's amazing how many guys he walks and to still be effective, right? The whole world. Yeah. That's a, a lot. It is. So you've got a starting rotation that is kind of iffy right now beyond Jack Flaherty, who, like I said, has never been hurt before. Knocking on something akin to wood. Here's wood. I have a piece of wood here. Yeah. So There we go. We're all set. Yeah. So my thing is I'm... I'm not super confident in what I have, but I don't know where to go to get it. But I'm still calling for Max Scherzer. Oh, you got to make the <laughs> phone call. You'd be crazy to not make the phone call. But my question is when Mike Rizzo says, no, I'm not trading Max Scherzer, where do you go from there? What's the next option for the Cardinals? Somebody texts in and says, go sign Cole Hamels. Well, it's been a long time since Cole Hamels pitched effectively at the major league level. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the answer. Or is it the kids? Like I said, do you do you go with the kids? And oh, by the way, I, I neglected to mention Carlos Martinez, who seems to kind of be back. But do you want to count on Carlos Martinez? I don't. So you need to get a guy that's better than what you have, clearly right now. I don't if, – if, if I have the choice between Cole Hamels and Matthew Libertor, I'm going with Libertor. I'm going with the young guys all day. So the Cardinals need to find a, a guy, and I don't, and it's way too early. We're on the in the 24th of May. If they're going to make a move for a starting pitcher, it's not going to be until the deadline. No, but with this Miles Michaelis move, it's certainly something you need to start thinking about. Yeah, you do, because we both believe that they were counting on him mm-hmm. to be healthy, and he's not going to be healthy. No. Sorry to break the news to you, Mo. I, ho- I hope that we're wrong. I do, too. 
but I, I right now don't hey. think it's likely. How often have we said, yeah, I hope he's healthy. That's why I'm not putting a lot of stock into it. And I know that that's not fair because every individual is different. Every scenario is different. Every injury is different. But I have seen this too many times with Cardinals pitchers where they get injured. We're told it's not that big of a deal. We're told they're coming back and we see the way that it plays out. Chris Carpenter in 07, Adam Wainwright in 11, Carlos Martinez two years ago, Miles Michaelis last year, Danny Cox, Mark Mulder, uh, multiple other guys. Michael Waka. Michael Waka. Yeah, we've been told enough. Yeah, he'll be fine. And then, We're not that concerned. Yeah, then he's gone for the year. Yeah. Or career. Yes. That's happened before, too. Coming up, we're going to visit with Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues, talk about the blues post-mortem with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. With Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN, we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and we are joined by the voice of your St. Louis Blues, Chris Kerber. Good morning, Kerbs. How are you doing today? Randy, doing all right. How are you and Michelle doing? Good. On a day after the Blues were vanquished, and I was thinking about this during the game yesterday, after Colorado came back, about how difficult it is to win a Stanley Cup. I think it's the hardest trophy to win in professional sports, and how you need everything to go your way from a health standpoint, from a luck standpoint. Every team that wins the Stanley Cup, everything, not not everything, but the, the things that you need to do to win goes your way, like bouncing back from the, the hand pass game or keeping people healthy or when somebody does get hurt, having people that are able to fill in. Things just didn't go the Blues way, way and we'll talk about it here in a moment, but I, just touching on 19, we were fortunate that everything that needed to go the Blues way did that year. And for the most part, they stayed healthy during mm-hmm. that run too. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was a big key because as other teams started to get banged up and kind of, I think what happened to the Blues in this series is very similar to what the Blues did to San Jose at six games in, in that 19 run where eventually San Jose, they came in, you know, it, you, can't, you come in for game six and you just didn't have the horses. And in the end, I, you know, I, I know that the players don't say it, the coach doesn't say it, the team doesn't say it, right? But in the end, I don't think you just didn't have the horses once David Perron wound up testing positive for COVID. Um, and it would have been hard even with David, but I think he would have had a, a, a more of a fighting chance, especially because of as hot as he was on the power play and things. I just I don't think that they just had the horses in the end because Colorado was as healthy as they were. So, Curbs, looking forward, what do you think is the biggest offseason need for this Blues team? Well, I think there's a list, uh, <laughs> Michelle. Uh, it's you know you've got you've got an interesting scenario for, for where Doug Armstrong this season can uh, he's got he's it's an interesting evaluation of the team. And Joe and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. I don't know that with the injuries and the way the season went for the St. Louis Blues, I don't know that they make the playoffs this year if they were actually in the Central Division, the Central Division to play. Like, if, if you were going up against Florida, Tampa, Carolina, right? I mean, you, you might have made it in as the fourth, you know, team, but obviously point total-wise, the way they did right now, it, it wouldn't have happened. And the reason I say that's important is the one thing you got this year is a real good evaluation of your team against Las Vegas and Colorado. And those two teams seem very poised to be the powerhouses of the division and of the Western conference for the next little while. 
And so you you saw how your guys played against them. So you go into this offseason, and you obviously, Alexander Steen's not coming back to play. His career's done. Jaden Schwartz is a UFA. Tyler Bozak is a UFA. Mike Hoffman's a UFA. And then, of course, Carl Gunnarsson, you know, who lost his season to injury too. So about $16 million comes off the St. Louis Blues books from a cap standpoint when you look at that. But then the real fascinating part to me is the restricted free agents. Now, these are ones where the Blues control the rights. A couple of them may have arbitration possibilities. But Zach Sanford, Ivan Barbashev, Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, Vince Dunn, for Jacob De La Rose, those are all restricted free agents that the Blues have to get signed. Um, or and, but, and when I say get signed, that's or figure out who fits and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I, and I'm not sure, honestly, guys, with all of those, with the restricted free agents and the UFAs, I'm not sure any one of them but Jordan Cairo had the kind of season, right, that – necessarily thinks that uh, they've got a big payday coming, right? I don't think anybody really light it up. So, uh, I, Doug Armstrong, when you look at a team that is now lost in the first round of the playoffs each of the last two years after winning the Cup, uh, COVID scenario in the bubble, all being all being part of it, and not too dissimilar, frankly, than the, the Washington Capitals, who haven't had a whole lot of playoff success since winning the Cup the year before the Blues did. Um, Doug has to determine, okay, where are we with these other teams and what adjustments do need to be made while we still have the core of O'Reilly and Perron and Shen and guys that seem to be really in their prime and producing. So um, a fascinating offseason coming because, I mean, shoot, you got the expansion draft in there too. So this, I'll tell you what, this is going to be a summer to keep both eyes on, uh, on what happens with this team. One of the things Michelle and I touched on in our opening segment, Curbs, is – and. Two years, three years ago, I never would have thought I would say this, but I, I will say it now. One of the huge losses for the Blues this season was Oscar Sundquist. He's an engine. He's a driver for the success of this team. So we obviously make a big deal of the of the Ryan O'Reilly trade, right? Mm-hmm. How about that? How about the trade? And I give I still to this day give Ryan Reeves the credit for this because he Ryan Reeves turned himself into the kind of player where Pittsburgh says we needed him, right? And Doug Armstrong turned Ryan Reeves into Oscar Sundquist and a first-round pick where they took a chance on Clint Costin. The jury's still out there, but even if Clint Costin doesn't develop into a strong NHL player, Oscar Sundquist without a doubt is. And uh, he, he, had, he had surgeries to, to get himself healthy, you know, and, and so he's on the mend and, and coming back. But he was such an important piece. And, and, you know, during a season ticket holder Zoom session earlier this year, Craig Berube told Joe Vitale and some season ticket holders when a young fan asked him who his favorite player was, he said, well, I'm not going to say I have a favorite. He goes, but I'll tell you that Oscar Sundquist is our engine. You know, and and it's not a surprise over the last couple of years that when either Sundquist or Barbashev are out of the lineup, it seems to throw some uh, chaos in the lineup, doesn't it? It sure so does. The, the fascinating thing is I don't know that you're going to be able, depending on how this goes, I don't know that you can protect them both. Well, you know, from from, from an expansion draft standpoint. All right, Curbs. So let me give you this. I and this is presuming that they don't sign Schwartz before the expansion draft, which I don't think they'll do. I am okay. protecting Thomas and Cairo. I am protecting Shen, O'Reilly, Perron, Barbashev, and Sunquist. Okay, so you are leaving Vladimir Tarasenko exposed. Yes, I am, and if. If Seattle wants to roll the dice on the guy, great, but I'm daring them to take him. Gotcha. It, that's, you know what? And I think that's the only way 
that you can do it if you're going to uh, find a way to protect Ivan Barbashev. And and I'm, it's Ivan Barbashev's pay this past year. His his cap hit was 1.4 million. You know, for for a player that can be as 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 you as good as he can be for you up and down the lineup, and if like if if Kyle if if Dakota Joshua and if you could pencil in Dakota Joshua potentially as your fourth line center next year, and I think Dakota Joshua showed some stuff in in a, in a short window, that then allows you to put Barbashev or or Sundquist as your as your third line center. Now Tyler Bozak. Uh, sometimes you don't hear a lot from him on the offensive seat. I don't think the Blues make the playoffs this season without the return of Tyler Bozak and the play that he brought to them uh, on the defensive side of the puck. I, I think down down the stretch here, right? Mm-hmm. But you know he's. If remember, you won the Stanley Cup and you were deep enough when he was your third line center, not your second line center. You know, and in the end they had to play him as their second line center down down uh, in, in parts of these playoffs. So. I think you have to kind of almost keep your fingers crossed there. And if, if you still have a Vince Dunn and you think he, maybe maybe Seattle's going to take Vince Dunn, and I, I think you're you're on track, Randy, uh, for, for for the right way to go about this. Because if I – Ivan Barber, and you've heard me say this for a while, he's a player I do not want to lose in that expansion no. draft. And, hey, you know? Seattle – if Seattle wants to take a guy that has played 34 games, 36, including two playoff games, in the last two years and is going to make seven and a half for each of the next two years, more power to him. Yeah, no, no. I mean, there's a flip side to that, okay? And, and, and you know, he yes, Vladimir Tarasenko hasn't been healthy, all right? And and didn't accomplish anything in these playoffs either and, and, and until yesterday, but it was too little too late. Not, not too dissimilar than, than, you know, game six against San Jose in 2016. Um, but you also have a guy, though, as we saw with what he could do with his shot when it goes, uh, that he can he can be a game changer, right? And the bottom line is, the and now and also, I mean, I don't know what's so much to read in this, but you know they were three games below 500 with Tarasenko in the lineup this year, and they they were what 19, 11, and six, I think, with him uh, with him out. Uh, but you're going to have to get that offense from somewhere, and I don't see where the Blues have that coming from anybody. So unless you go out and sign somebody or make a trade, and that goes back to what Michelle was asking, guys. Like, the Blues seem poised this year. This roster seems right for a hockey trade, you know, and uh, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean a Ryan O'Reilly lopsided trade, you know, but a hockey trade where maybe you're moving somebody that you think could be pretty good to get somebody you know is going to be good because I, I think one of the biggest holes they have in this lineup is is on the left wing in the in the top six. Uh, you know, Jaden Schwartz's uh, regular season production wasn't where you would have liked it this year. Now he was dealing with some personal health, and 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 that I think you have to keep in mind. But he's a U.S. So what price do you get him and for how many years? But even if he comes back and you you pencil him in your top six, it's it's clear that there's still a big hole. You know, when they, they couldn't find a left winger regularly for Orion, uh, O'Reilly and Perron this year. So that's, I mean, th- there are a lot of question marks and a lot of different ways they can go. And it, But if you're going to stay in the window and compete with Colorado and compete with Las Vegas, you know, you might have to give up something you don't want to give up right now. But to get something good that, that keeps you in the arms race and keeps you competitive with those teams. Hey, Curbs, one more thing. I think the Blues lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champions. I think Colorado is the best team I've seen in these playoffs. Who do you think presents them their biggest challenge? Is it in the division? Is it Vegas? Or is it somebody from the East? Who do you like aside from Colorado? 
I, I think Vegas is probably going to be their biggest challenge, you know, on, on this side of it. I don't, I don't think that any of the Canadian teams are, are a real threat. I think Edmonton's proven that. I still can't believe that Edmonton hasn't figured out how to play somewhat defensive hockey. That's mind-blowing <laughs> after, what, 15 years? Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, Toronto's, Toronto will be interesting. I, I think the challenge, the, the, if the, the two teams, in my opinion, that I think could really challenge uh, Colorado or Vegas – because I, I just don't know if Boston is, is truly deep enough to do it. it, it to me, could be Carolina, because they play that all-around team game. But Carolina and Tampa, mm-hmm. uh, you know, once again. And, and that's, that, that, to me, those, those to me are the two. But I, I think Vegas and Colorado certainly are the cream uh, in the West by far. Curbs, enjoy your off season. It's going to be busy, and I'm looking forward to getting back to Enterprise. I didn't get a chance to get there this season. I I stayed away, but uh, COVID's over now for me because I'm vaccinated. So I will be back with you guys in the fall. Yeah, we can't wait to open the doors in the fall and and see a full house and, and everybody. And, and Randy, big thanks. I said it on the air last night, but thanks to you, Michelle, the shows, all the hosts on 101, and. Uh, you know, Mike Ryder, who's uh, really an MVP over there that mm-hmm. helps us uh, get everything done we need, and, and everybody at 101. It was, uh, it, was, it was quite a challenging season on so many fronts, um, you know, and, 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 and to Marshall and Craig, too, the engineering side to help us do these games remotely and the setup that we had was probably second to none. So I, I appreciate everybody's help and looking forward to building this offseason into another year. Sounds great, Curbs. Have a great one. Take care. Okay, guys, have an awesome week. See you later. That is the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, on 101 ESPN. Next up, we've got the fight. This is a big one. Is this another Hall of Fame? Yes, if he wins today, it's official. This is kind of like, I I don't know if you know this little bit of history. This is kind of like the 1972 Olympics. The USA team uh, had the game won, and then the officials said, nope, we— we got to give this one to the USSR, and so they they gave them three different chances, and they the USSR wound up winning. So this is the the way that this is rolling apparently. If that's what you want to compare it to, fine. I am the 1972 USA. If you know, you know. You can text in six five seven eight zero. Is Randy the 1972 U.S. Olympic basketball team? We're gonna we, we want your answers on one hundred one ESPN. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. And it's time for the fight on this Monday. And this is no regular fight. This was a highly, highly disputed and talked about fight that we're about to have here. So John is joining us. You may have heard John on the past three shows. John beat Randy two days in a row. He was going for his third fight for a chance at the Fight Hall of Fame. It got down to the last question, and Randy and John tied. So we went to the tiebreaker question, and it's in a moment that we've never seen before, John and Randy both gave the same answer. So then Randy adjusted his answer, and he was closer to the pin. But 
we didn't feel like that was fair because we didn't really have a backup question. We should have gone to a second tiebreaker question. And the text line was calling for justice for John. And I agreed with them. So we're bringing John back. And John has another shot today at the Hall of Fame. John, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. How did you feel after Friday? Because I'm sure a lot of people wanted to talk to you about this. I was at the Cardinals game last night, and people wanted to talk to me about this fight. <laughs> um, I felt like I gave it a pretty good effort, and I'm hoping I can pull out the same amount as last time. I think you can, John. We believe in you. You were the talk of the town, so good luck, okay? Thank you. Hall of Fame on the line, yet again. Question number one. What team was the first in NHL history to win back-to-back Stanley Cups? The Rangers, Canadians, or Red Wings? Um, I'll go Red Wings. Okay, question number two. Who was the first golfer to reach $1 million in career earnings on the PGA Tour? Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, Gary Player. Uh, Jack Nicholas. Okay, John. The Celtics and Lakers lead the NBA with 17 world championships. Which two teams are sitting right behind them, tied at six titles apiece? Is it the Warriors and Spurs, the Warriors and Bulls, or the Sixers and the Bulls? Um, I'll go Warriors and Bulls. All right, question four. Tiger Woods' first major win came at the 97 Masters. Who finished second in that Masters? Tom Kite, Tom Watson, or Freddie Couples? Um, can I get those, can I get those uh, answers one more time? Tom Kite, Tom Watson, Freddie Couples. I'll go Freddie Couples. Okay, checking our score here. Randy's on his way in. Randy's been saying that he is the 97, 1972. Okay, he's in. I'll just let Randy describe what he's comparing himself to. Go ahead, Randy. I am akin to the 1972 U.S. Olympic basketball team who uh, had the gold medals just ripped from them and their hearts ripped out of their chests. Well, you know, Randy, the text line is comparing you to the crying Jordan meme. How do you feel about that? I don't think that that's realistic. I think people need to Google 1972 (laughs) Olympic basketball team controversy. Well, Randy, we gave John another shot. And if you are, in fact... Just like the officials did to the Russians, the Soviet Union. You could reverse history, though. You could take home the gold. Yeah, just just like the Russians. Did. Just saying. You could t- yeah. you if you're the USA could reverse history. Here. Okay, I hope so. You know John well. Say hello. John, welcome back. How was your weekend? Uh, it was good. How was yours? Everything was good. Thanks. We appreciate you listening and appreciate you playing again. It's not like Randy was stewing all weekend and reading trivia books or anything. I was in my darkened basement <laughs> with just one little light shined on my book. I kind of picture you like Claire Danes in Homeland with the, mm-hmm. all the stuff on the wall, the red lines everywhere, trying to find any sort of connects to a question that we've had that we may have. You might be stubby, studying your WNBA history. Yeah. I could see mm-hmm. all of that happening. All right, Randy, here's your chance. All right, let's do it. To not be the crying Jordan meme. Question number one, what team was the first in NHL history to win back-to-back Stanley Cups? First team to win back-to-back Stanley Cups... I will go with uh, Montreal. 
Okie dokie. Who was the first golfer to reach $1 million in career earnings on the PGA Tour? Ooh. $1 million. Jack Nicholas sounds like a logical choice here, so I will go with him. The Celtics and the Lakers lead the NBA with 17 world championships. Which two teams are sitting right behind them, tied at six titles apiece? Six titles apiece. Well, clearly, uh, the Bulls are one of them. And the Spurs, I think, only have five. Pistons don't have that many. Um, so you've got Chicago and, well, maybe the, I, I think San Antonio only has those five between 98 and now. Um, Houston, not there. Clippers, certainly not there. Portland, Seattle, slash OKC, no. Um, none of those expansion, Miami, Orlando. Um, the Philadelphia slash Golden State Warriors, maybe? They had the recent three. They won in 78. Um, or 77, sorry. And I... I think I'll go with the the Warriors franchise. And? and? Oh, the Bulls. They okay. won six. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah. We don't want any discrepancies here. <laughs> Tiger Woods' first major win came at the 97 Masters. Who finished second in that Masters? Brady uh, loves who finished second yeah. questions. Loves I'll, them. I'll do the lifeline here. All right. Uh, is it Tom Kite, Tom Watson, or Freddie Couples? Hmm. Interesting. I will go with Kite Watson. It wasn't, I don't think Freddie at that point. So Kite and Watson, I will go with um, Tom Kite or Tom. I'll go with uh, Tom Kite. This was stressful. I felt the tension throughout the fight. Did John do it? Is he a Hall of Famer? Marty, let him know. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. If you come at the king, especially if you get an extra shot at the king, you best not miss. Sorry, John. Randy came out firing today. He beat you three to one, three to one. No justice for John today. <laughs> and normally Randy celebrates after he wins. Not today. Very stoic. Just stood there with his hands folded. He was like, yep, I knew it. I knew it. It was very Jordan-esque of you, Randy. Oh, I'm yeah. surprised you didn't have an iPad with past fights against John going back and I took that personally. Okay, the Canadians are the first team in NHL history to win back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. Arnold Palmer is the first golfer to reach $1 million in career earnings on the PGA Tour. The Celtics and Lakers have 17 NBA championships. The Warriors and Bulls tied for second with six apiece. And Tom Kite finished second in the 97 Masters that Tiger Woods ended up winning. John, we had a great time. Thank you for competing in the fight, and I'm sorry you didn't get to the Hall of Fame. You're good. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Good to have John with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, 
Is Edmundo Sosa a future regular for the Cardinals? It's coming your way with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And Michelle, another good weekend for Edmundo Sosa. In this month of May, he, and by the way, it is May 24th, if you're not aware. Uh, <laughs> because some people, I'm usually not aware of it. I have to, I have to look at a calendar or a clock. I, I never know what the date is. If you would have just asked me prior to this segment, before I looked what the date was, I yeah. would have said it's almost Memorial Day. Yeah, a week away. <laughs> that's, we are, that's the date. So we, we're three weeks into this month, and Edmundo Sosa this month is at 435. He is 10 for, 20, uh, 10 for 23. He has a 609 slug, a 519 on base, an OPS this month of 1.127 in place of the injured Paul DeYoung. So, Michelle, the question put to you, when Paul DeYoung is healthy, if Edmundo Sosa is doing something approaching what he's done so far in May, who's playing? I'm playing the hot hand. I'm going with Edmundo Sosa. He's 10 for 17 in his last five games. You just gave the numbers there. He's been playing great. And I'm not messing with the good thing while I have it. And I know that Paul DeYoung was the guy that was playing every day for you. And I understand that Mike Schultz might, might want to get him back in the mix. But also when, when the chemistry is there and when a player is producing for you and thriving, I'm not going to disrupt that. And DeYoung, before he went on the IL, was hitting only 177. Granted, he did have the seven home runs. But it seems to me that with the rib injury, which was more of a bruise, with the 170, his ego is bruised as much as anything. Maybe the thing to do is to send him down for a minor league rehab stint just to try to get his stroke back to where he can be a 250, a 265 hitter again with a higher OPS than he has. So you're going with Sosa as well. I am going with Sosa while he's hot. And I honestly never saw this coming. I would have never dreamed that Edmundo Sosa can do this. This is why the Cardinals are such great talent evaluators. This is why they understand what they have in their system and never have a player go away and do really well. And we just see it again with Edmundo Sosa. He started more games last week, which was five, than he had previously in his entire career. Yeah. And sometimes players just need an opportunity, a consistent opportunity, to show what they're capable of. And I'm going to need a bigger sample size to be all in on Edmundo Sosa. But so far, so good. And the cool thing is that he was known and is known as a glove guy. And that hasn't gone anywhere. He's shown early on here that he can pick it, too. He can play defensively. And by the way, Paul DeYoung, while not spectacular, is an effective defender. But Edmundo Sosa has given you everything that you could ask for or more. And he's a nice fit in the lineup. I see no problem with him. And I wonder, some guys just aren't capable of coming off the bench He's a guy that is a really nice insurance policy to have, though. If something goes wrong with Edmund, he gets injured. Sosa can also play second base. If DeYoung gets hurt again and he has not been the most durable guy, you've got what I think is the best insurance policy the Cardinals have had at short in some time. So you and I are both going to go with Sosa. You mentioned the numbers for DeYoung, 177 this season, 7 homer, 17 RBI, and 35 games. I don't know if Mike Schultz and the Cardinals are going to roll with Sosa, despite the numbers, despite what we've seen out of Paul DeYoung. It seems like when he's healthy, he's going to get his job back. That's kind of how the Cardinals roll. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And again, you look at the contract, and the contract, even though it's modest, the contract is going to play for Paul DeYoung. But I do think 
that they'll at least send him out. I, I don't think it'll be one of those situations where he comes back with no rehab at all mm-hmm. down at Memphis and then just starts when he's able to because, honestly, he doesn't deserve it, and Sosa doesn't deserve to get benched. And I know deserve has nothing to do with it. I, sure. I understand that that's just the way the Cardinals are. But right now, I think it would be malpractice for them to sit Sosa and play DeYoung without DeYoung going to the minors and at least getting his stroke back a little bit. Do you think that the Cardinals having talent that they've let go of or moved on from that's having success elsewhere if maybe they see what's happening with Sosa and they want to give him more time? Because I certainly wouldn't want to have a a player come up and who's playing this well and then me not really get a full evaluation or a bigger sample size of him because – I don't know. The Cardinals have had some young talent recently that they haven't been all in on that that has had success elsewhere. So I'm also looking at this, if I'm the Cardinals, as a great opportunity for me to see what Sosa can really do. Yeah, the Cardinals may have gone to the other end of the spectrum, Michelle, from obviously not giving Rosarena and Garcia enough play at the minor league level enough, or, or enough run at the at the major league level to giving guys too much. And Justin Williams tries hard, I know, but we, we kind of know at this point what Justin Williams is, and they'll give an opportunity to Dean, and hopefully there will be a point where Tyler O'Neill can be healthy. But so far, Tyler O'Neill has shown himself to be a player that can't stay on the field. My hope would be that they find that sweet spot of properly evaluating players in a proper amount of time. Don't overdo it now because you've been burned a couple of times. Agreed. But all I'll say is this. Sosa has been producing, and he's fun to watch. Yeah, he is. He's entertaining. He provides has provided a spark for this team, and I I appreciate that he's taken this opportunity and run with it. Tonight, a Big Ten game road trip starts at Chicago against Tony Larusa and his White Sox, and Lance Lynn will go to the mound against Kim, and that game can be seen just after 7 on Bally Sports Midwest. Coming up, we want to hear more from you with your mic drops and texts. Where do the Blues go from here after getting swept out of the playoffs by the Avalanche? What do you want to see them do during this offseason? That's next on 101 ESPN. 906, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on this Monday morning on 101 ESPN, a Monday morning after the Blues were eliminated by the Colorado Avalanche in four straight, outscored 20-7 to in the four games. And, by the way, should note that Colorado did have five empty net goals. So if you want to take those out of the equation, then the Blues only got doubled up, basically 15-7. to Jeremy Rutherford has a piece up at The Athletic. The Blues' 10 uh, biggest offseason priorities as an important summer begins. And, Michelle, it's interesting for a team that did win the Stanley Cup two years ago, makes the playoffs on an annual basis, should know exactly what their priorities are. They've got a lot of issues. They do. And it's crazy to think that where the Blues were when they got bounced out of the bubble last season the way we felt about that team, as disappointing as it was, and the way you feel about this team after getting swept in the first round by the Avs, it's completely different. I looked at that scenario, and it just wasn't happening for the Blues. And I understood that. The world was crazy. I don't know how teams were able to manufacture the energy required to play playoff hockey Mm -hmm. in a bubble-type scenario where they can't leave their rooms, there's no fans. I get all of that. But when I look at this Blues team, even though there were a lot of obstacles with injuries, new faces, not 
being able to find that chemistry because of all the industry in, injuries. I still look at them, and I don't feel as great about this team, and I think that they're lacking a few pieces, and they're lacking a true identity as well. And some of the things they need to do, for example, Jaden Schwartz, when the Blues have been successful, when, they, when they've when they had a really nice run, say from 2014 to 2021, for the most part, Jaden Schwartz has been a really good player. He is an unrestricted free agent. If I'm Doug Armstrong and the Blues, I'm going to put a certain value on him that is not the salary that he made this past season. And essentially, I'm going to say, okay, this is what we have for you. Feel free to go out and shop, but we can't guarantee that that offer is going to be there for you when you come back. This year, he played in 40 games, missed 16 of them, had eight goals and 13 assists, and just wasn't the same player that he had been in the past. So with a flat cap and the fact that he is, let me get his age, he's 28, he'll turn 29 in June. I can't give him the contract that he would have gotten had there not been a pandemic, had there not been a flat salary cap. Uh, I would have been able to give him what he made or or more. So for me, it's pretty easy with Schwartzy. And he, he did play very well the year before. He's had a really good career. But if that's one of your priorities, I'm, I'm getting a price for Jaden Schwartz. And if I don't get him at that price, and I understand that he's really my only legit left winger at the moment, then I'll just move on. Yeah, I wonder if your chances of getting him at that price, unfortunately, because of the the, the season, the numbers that you have are greater, though, because of that. I, I would think that he might command less. Yeah, he, he should. And there are going to be very few teams out there with the salary cap room to give a guy of that production in this year and a guy who has not been a durable player. Not many teams are going to be able to give him more than five and a quarter million dollars mm-hmm. over a three or four year deal. Now, where does this leave you with Vladimir Tarasenko? I think I'm stuck with him. I'm going to leave him unprotected. And that's number two on JR's list is finalize the expansion draft protected list. If Army, somebody wants to send me a text, I've got it already for you. You don't even have to think about it. <laughs> but Tarasenko is not on my protected list because I don't think that Seattle is going to take him. I'm with you. I don't know how desirable he is to Seattle or to other teams, frankly. No. And by the way, if he is, and you can take $7.5 million and open up rather than $15 million in cap space, have $22.5 million in cap space, then you just plug in Clem Costin and hope that he can play because of what you heard about and saw at the KHL. I'm willing to make that gamble now with a guy that's played 36 games in two years. How about this text from the 314, Randy? Is Tarasenko going to become the new Matt Carpenter, where all we hear about is potential and what he's done in the past, but isn't performing at the current time? Could be. Although I don't think the Blues are going, uh, number one, the Blues aren't going to extend him like the Cardinals did with Marp. And with Tarasenko, it's all related to injury. Now, with Carpenter, it may be related to injury, but we know why Tarasenko has diminished. He's got the groin injury now. He says his shoulder is 100%. Can he come back at 30 years old next year, a year he turns 30, and be what he was? I would hope so. The Blues have a better idea of what he's capable of than I do. And I'm not... The reason that I would leave him unprotected is because of his lack of availability, not because of the fact that I don't think he can play. I still think that if you have him for 70 games, he can be a 20-goal guy. But I don't believe that over the course of the next two years, he's going to be worth $15 million. 
You want to get to some texts? Yep, let's do it. From the 616, this team looks a lot more like the team that caught cost Hitch and Yo their jobs than they do the champs. Well, that is hard to dispute, but the Hitch team that he lost and Hitch had been around for six years. I think after a certain amount of time, every coach loses the ear of the team. And Yo's team was healthy. They just quit playing for him. This team... Even though guys were playing, I don't think that they were healthy. I don't think Robert Thomas was ever healthy. I don't think Schwartz was ever healthy. I don't think Pareko is healthy. I wouldn't be surprised if Pareko has to have back surgery right. this offseason. It's kind of amazing that he was able to play the way that he did when you think about that he was playing with yeah. a bad back. So I think there were a lot of players. Obviously, Vladdy was one of them. I think there were a lot of players on this team, and Troy Krug might have been another, by the way, that were playing but weren't even close to the the 80% that you'd like to have a guy be for the playoffs. That's why I think it's so hard. And think about throughout the season, we we had guys that were injured. It's hard for me to determine truly how open I think the window is or how many moves I think need to be made because we didn't get really a sense of what this team is. They, they had so many injuries that they had to deal with. Let's just specifically look at the last two games. The Blues' best forward during the course of the regular season was... David Perron. Blues' best defenseman during the course of the regular season was? <laughs> Sorry. Justin Falk. There you go. So you're, you're, losing, you're missing Excuse your best four. No, yeah, no problem. <laughs> it's got Michelle choked up. <laughs> so you for those last two games, and hey, even with those guys, Colorado was better. I will defer to that belief because I think it's a fact. But at the same time, if you lose your best forward and you lose your best defenseman, it's going to affect the quality of your play. And you're going against the best team in the league. Right. Yeah, it's tough. From the 636, I think the Blues need to make a lot of moves. They need to get bigger. Probably Krug and Tarasenko should be traded for a player that better fits the style of play the Blues have. Vladdy has a no trade. Maybe he would be willing to accept a no trade. That's, But this is an offseason, again, where it's going to be hard to move $13 million of salary because of the fact that the, the salary cap didn't go up last year and it's not going up this year. It's staying at $81.5 million. Teams just don't have that sort of cap space to be able to make those sorts of deals. So the Blues are going to need to get better from within. That is something that is certainly tough to do. But your core belief that they need to get bigger is correct, and I said that off the top. They, they need to get a big right-handed defenseman, and they need to get somebody who's aside from Clem Costin, a forward that you can utilize not only just as a, a net front presence guy, but a, a guy that you can play on the third line that does what Pat Maroon did a few years ago. The third line left winger that you can use not only to get net front presence, but can do some things for you as well. And like you said, have a little bit of attitude, bring some edge to this group too. They're missing that. Yeah. I want to get to this one because we're getting a lot of texts like this. From the 314, moves will be made, and I still maintain, in all caps, an army I trust. I just want to note mm-hmm. that we're getting a lot of texts on the text line saying, yes, the Blues are going to shake it up, moves will be made, but full faith in Doug Armstrong that he's going to make good moves for the team. I have faith in Doug Armstrong. So do I. And what, JR brings up the idea of bringing back Tyler Bozak, who's going to turn 35 next year, and he was really good this year. But I, this team needs to get younger. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Bozak was a really good 35-year-old player. Unless you get him at a bargain basement cost, 
and it's nothing against the way he played this year or the guy. I think he's a really good guy to have on the team. But they need to get younger, and they need to be faster. And right now, I'm looking at O'Reilly, Shen, Thomas. He needs to get better. And then a fourth-line center, whether that be Barbashev or if you move Sonny down there. There's a lot of different things you can do. But I don't think that I would bring Bozak back. I think I need to get more athletic. I'm with you, younger and faster. Yeah. So, And I don't dislike the guy at all. I just think that they... That's what they need to do. It's business. Yep. At the end of the day, it's business. Nothing personal. It's business, man. Uh, thank you, Michelle. You got it, Randy. That is Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. Coming up on 101 ESPN, you're killing me, Smalls. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by BMW of West St. Louis. They make a BMW attainable for anyone who wants one. All right, it's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. So much happening in sports right now, Randy. It's hard to keep up. We had the PGA yesterday. We talked about Phil a little bit, Cards, Cubs, Blues, obviously, getting bounced from the playoffs. But the NBA playoffs are going on as well, so I just wanted to run through some of the the scores for Mm. round one. There's a little drama. Game one, round one. So let's first start with, of course, the St. Louis and Bradley Beal. So the 76ers beat Washington 125-118. Bradley Beal, 33 points in the loss, though. Sick of it. Yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> what a great player he is. And by the way, Russell Westbrook is a great player, too. There's no reason for that team to be so iffy. I guess they need a big man, but the the Wizards should be better than they are. They should. Okay, I'm going to save the juicy one for last. So we've got Memphis at Utah. Memphis beating them 112-109. to Atlanta at New York. Atlanta beats New York 107-105. Trey Young with 32 points in that one. And then the Lakers and the Suns. The Suns take game one. They lead the series 1-0. They beat the Lakers 99-90. to Anthony Davis afterwards saying the loss was his fault. He says, there's no way we're winning a game, let alone a series, with me playing the way that I played. He finished with 13.7 rebounds and three blocks. I was wondering who the Kardashians are rooting for in this series. Because... Oh, of course they're they're rooting for Devin Booker. But does Chloe still love Lamar? Because Lamar's thing was the Lakers, right? I don't think so. Okay, I'm pretty sure that they're she divorced. Love, oh, yeah, but she can still love him. Like she really cares about him. I just wonder if the the franchise that they grew up watching takes precedence over the guy that the youngest is. is she the youngest? No, daughter? Kylie's the youngest. Kylie. Okay, and Kendall is the Why one. Do that's, I know that. Kendall is the one that's dating Booker? Yes. So I just wanted to, I didn't know who was rooting for whom. But I, I am not at all bothered by the fact that the Suns took a one nothing lead in this series. And I know that AD said it's his fault. He got outplayed by DeAndre Ayton. He says he's going to be better in game two. He will. And they're not going to win unless he is. No, LeBron didn't look like he could take over a game yesterday. So. And Phoenix is really good. Yeah, they've got... They're well-coached, Coach of the Year, Monty Williams, and they've got a real good, young, well-put-together group. And, oh, by the way, their general manager, James Jones, a former teammate of LeBron, has kind of been getting guys to try to slow LeBron down with the Lakers. Sometimes that's what you need to do. Yeah. You need to construct a team to beat someone. Yeah. Remember when the Rockets did that? Daryl Morey said, we constructed this team to beat the Warriors. Right. They were uh, close, but didn't get it done. <laughs> right. 
You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, I need you to talk me through this one, Randy. I'm gonna present the story and then we're gonna get in our feelings. This is a trust tree because I don't know how to feel about this and I don't wanna be a hater about it, okay? okay? So the Padres, they are young, they are fun, they have a lot of swag. And you may have seen that they have a new thing, the swag chain. They've got a big, big chain. So Manny Machado has a friend who's a jeweler, and they wanted to take the turnover chain that Miami had. They made it famous uh, long ago and have their own thing, the swag chain that they're going to give to someone who was an impact player at the end of the game. It's huge. It's a large gold-plated chain. It has a spinning SD, a little, (laughs) I don't want to say a big big circle it's got semi-precious stones um it was created by gabriel jacobs he owns raffaello and company it's a luxury jewelry store based out of new york it's made of real silver and semi-precious stone it clocks in at six and a half pounds six and a half pounds and manny machado helped make it and it looks cool and i understand that this is something fun for them to do it's it's a competition within the competition which is the game but haven't we done this already we had the turnover chain we had the turnover backpack it just seems like we've done this already before and i don't want to be a hater because i think the padres are so fun and i like that they have the swag chain but it also kind of feels a little played out it is but they've never done it for example, the Blues had their their gloves that they would give to the I think it was Bob Plager's gloves that they would give to the player of the game or the uh, you know the the work boots or something like that. So this is just a different play on that and this particular group of Padres they haven't had it before. So even though the idea is played out uh, hey, when Edmonds in the playoffs started doing in 06 the the game ball. Mm-hmm. If it motivates somebody and you win one game because of it, because they say, I want to win that chain for a game, it's worth it. I mean, it does spin around. It's pretty cool. It's kind of like a set of rims, isn't it? It is. It is. That's (laughs) a a great So You're wearing a set of rims. Yes, except it's way more expensive. (laughs) Way more expensive. But I was reading about this last night in the San Diego Tribune, and they brought up a great point. This is just another part in the evolution of Manny Machado as one of the leaders of this Mm -hmm. team. And... Remember when he he first went there and there was all the talk about I'm not Johnny Hustle and kind of the narrative that was around him. But he's taken a really big leadership role with this team. And even Aaron Nola said his presence makes everything better. He's the epitome of an unbelievable teammate. He shows up every day. He sets an unbelievable example. And I think it's hard for us not to follow it. So if you're right, if he did this and this is something that makes them want to play harder and it's a a goal for the players to attain, they want to do the postgame interview with the swag chain. It's probably. I have to believe that that couple of months with the Dodgers really benefited Manny because he'd never really learned how to win in Baltimore. Then he winds up going to the World Series with the with, with the Dodgers. I, I have to believe that learning how to win for those couple of months really benefited him. For sure. And it does fit the team, too. They're young. They're fun. Yeah. I can't see it, this Cardinals team having a swag chain. No, they wouldn't have a swag chain. No. Anybody who's would think of initiating the swag chain idea has been traded. Well, Yadier Molina would have a swag chain. He's got his own. Yeah, he's not going to pass it around. But I could see him coming up with an idea like that. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Can you see Adam Wainwright wearing the swag chain? Yes. (laughs) That would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would. Paul DeYoung? Maybe not. Well, he's not playing. Sosa, swag chain. Yeah. But now that the idea has been stolen. Yeah, no, no, no. It doesn't fit in St. Louis. It fits them. But I was just thinking, I'm like, we've seen the chain. We've seen the backpack. But whatever. Again, if if it's your team that's doing it, it's fun and you love it. Good stuff.
Thank you, Michelle. You got it. That is You're Killing Me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. Okay, Michelle and I had a PGA player draft mm-hmm. last week, and the player that won gets bragging rights, and the player that loses gets to spin the wheel of punishment. And uh, we're going to tell you who won. <laughs> and uh, you just heard Michelle. You know who lost. Who Next up, 101 During the winter, Michelle and I started 75 hard. One of us finished <laughs> 75 hard, and it was not me. It was Michelle Smallman. Congratulations. Hey, thank you. Well deserved. Uh, Those last 15 days were the pits. I'll bet. And it was the, the dead of winter. That's yeah, why I sucked. failed. So Michelle suggested late last week, she said, hey, you want to do 75 hard again? I said, yeah, cool. I don't know how we got on that. I, I think maybe you were saying that you, if it wasn't cold and raining, that you think you could have finished it. And I yeah. was like, well, let's do it. It's beautiful outside. It is beautiful outside. So here's the way it works. And I want to know if we can modify this. No, you can't. That's the number one rule. You can't modify it at not, all? Not one piece of it. So you took a progress picture every day? Every day. And then I made a slideshow afterwards. Did you really? Yeah. I never posted it because oh. who wants to see that? Okay. So it's two 45-minute workouts. One of the workouts must be outdoors, but both can be. Both can be, yes. You need to follow a diet, which makes sense. You need to drink a gallon of water a day. You need to read 10 pages of a book. Nonfiction. Nonfiction every day. And then take a progress picture every day. Okay, okay, cool. I'm I'm good with that. You know what the hardest part is? What? The water, at least for me. If you don't get a good pace going, it could be right before bed and you have half of your water bottle that you need to chug. Right. Which is awful. So get your pace going with the water early. It's a, a big tip I have. So May 25th is our start date for 75 hard tomorrow. Yes, and we've had a lot of people text in that say that they want to jump on this with us. Someone said, my wife and I are going to start with you guys. Thanks for the motivation. So we need to figure out a, a group, a place. Maybe we can, I don't want to put work on anybody, but find something on the website where we could post something and people can come in and give us their progress and their updates because it would be nice to be able to talk to people about this as we're doing this. Yeah, we need to start a uh, They a can follow us on somewhere. social media. I'm sure you'll be posting updates, Randy. I will. At RJ Carricker on Instagram. On the Insta. Yeah, follow me on the Insta and follow Michelle at M. Smallman. And you can follow us both on Twitter at M. Smallman for her, not me. And <laughs> at Randy Carricker on uh, Twitter for Randy. So there you go. So what's your diet going to be? You just you have to pick a diet of your choosing and stick with it the whole time. Zero, zero cheat meals. Zero cheat meals. Okay. I did no processed food. Which I cooked, I never ate out one time the whole time. I really? cooked everything at home. Yeah, because you don't yeah. know what you're getting there. I'm going to put mine together during the day. Okay. Today. I'll have it tomorrow morning. TBD. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Also last week, <sighs> we drafted PGA players. Each drafted five, and we had a draft. Michelle had the first pick, and I would have taken her first pick had I not, uh, if I would have had the first pick. So Michelle's five players were Rory McIlroy, who finished at five over, mm-hmm. Brooks Kepka, who finished at four under, Bryson DeChambeau, who collapsed yesterday, had bogeys in seven of eight holes, I believe. He finished three over. And then two players missed the cut. Both were six over. And since they played half the tournament, we just doubled their finishing score. So both Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas finished six over. So you get plus 12 for them. So your total was 28 over. DJ and JT giving you 24. Bryson taking you to 27 over. Rory taking you to 32 over. And then Kepka with the minus four. So you're at plus 28. 
The five that I drafted were Jordan Spieth, John Rahm, Tony Finau, uh, Cameron Smith, and Xander Shoffley. My first pick, Jordan Spieth, was two over for the tournament. Cameron Smith, who I was debating taking whether or not, uh, he finished plus seven. So I'm plus nine there. And then Xander Shoffley missed the cut also at plus six, ironically. So he's at plus 12. So I'm at plus 21 for those three players. John Rahm has a great stretch run, finishes at minus one. So I'm plus 20. And then Tony Finau finishes at one under. So I am at plus 19. So I was 19 over par for the tournament. Michelle was 28 over par for the tournament. I get bragging rights. I know more about golf. Ha, ha, ha. Hmm. I didn't take Phil, did I? Uh, You know what's funny? And as I was thinking about taking Phil because you and I have a little bit of an affection for Phil because mm -hmm. he's lefty and we're We're lefties. lefties. And then I thought, no, there's no way. Phil's going to get it done. No way. Then he did. And then he did. So anyway, it, it's, it was a tough tournament. And so while I get the bragging rights, Michelle gets to spin the wheel of punishment. From the 309, I feel like you guys are really missing an opportunity to call this segment the wheel of misfortune. Wheel of misfortune is different. The wheel of misfortune is the professional athlete. And there are five things that you don't want to have three of in combination. So after midnight, guns, women. Or men. Well, if if you're a professional athlete, yeah. That goes without saying. I'm just saying. So so late at night. Boys are the ones that always stir up the trouble. Yeah, but women cause trouble for men. No, they cause their own trouble. Well. Let's not blame the woman, well, okay? They're making decisions I, I'm, I'm on just their saying own. the professional athlete from the big four sports, okay? Okay, okay, fine. So, so you don't want to be involved with uh, after midnight, drugs or alcohol, women, fast cars, or guns. If you have any of those three in the wheel, the wheel contains five slices of pie, okay? Okay. Any of those three, late at night, guns, drugs and alcohol, women... And uh, hmm? yeah, you never see that one, though. So uh, if you have any three of those five, I am writing so poorly here. Uh, Oh, drugs and alcohol. Okay, (laughs) The devil's lettuce. Um, Well, that yeah, that counts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So it's late at night, guns, drugs, and alcohol. Fast cars. Fast cars. Yeah. Any of those. If you if you have three, like if you have five. Or two of the five, you can get by, kind of. Like, if you have a late night with women, you might not get in trouble. If you have a late night with guns, chance that you don't get in trouble. You have a late night with drugs and alcohol, chance. If you have a f- woman in a fast car, there's you're, you can be fine. But any three, if you have a late night with a fast car and a woman, you're going to get in trouble. If you have a late night with drugs and alcohol and guns, you're going to get in trouble. If you have guns, drugs and alcohol, and a woman, you're going to get in trouble. Any three of those five presents you misfortune. That is the wheel of misfortune right there. Do you know what the consistent threat is here? Late night. Late night is a big part of it. But if you are Memorial Day afternoon, if you are an NFL player and you're in your backyard and you have women, drugs, and alcohol, and guns, usually a bad combo. Uh, from the 417 proposition, add social media to the list. That is... Is that Paul Pierce's number? Uh, yeah. Since this was invented, uh, 
before social media. Now we can put a sixth slice of pie in there. So that is the that's the wheel of misfortune. Okay. So, so this is different. This, this is, is the wheel of punishment. The wheel of punishment. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did what not What are have some a... of the items on there, for example, that you yeah. could suffer the indignity of having to do? I didn't have a great first experience. I had to eat a deviled egg, which yeah. is my nightmare. I had to sing karaoke. And you did it very well. You mm-hmm. sang Madonna like a virgin. Like a virgin. Yep. The timing was a little problematic at the beginning, time. but then you committed. Yeah. Okay. So here's what's on here. Say I love you to every interviewer. We have that yeah. interviewee. We have that day. Sorry, it was smudged out. So yeah, if we have, if I had to do this on Wednesday and we have Adam Wainwright, I have to tell him I love him. Great. Which will definitely be uncomfortable. Um, hoping I don't get that one. Eat bad jelly beans. I don't mm. know what that means, but I kind of hope I get that one. One of these is specifically for you. It says run a half marathon. <laughs> a uh, whole show without thumbs. So we know how important the opposable thumb is. So yeah. you'd have to have them taped down the entire time. That's why dogs and cats can't use phones. That's right. So you're not going to be on your phone during the show. Mm-hmm. It's going to be difficult for us to grab our papers here. Writing, forget about it. <laughs> It'd be interesting. Typing like this. Okay. If you, um, if you get that one, I will help you on that particular day. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. Now, this one's interesting. Make Stan Kroenke's picture, or you make your profile photo Stan Kroenke's face. That'd be fun. That would be bad. No, um, it, I would like it. Would you? I, I would people like it would if think you had to do a, it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I was going to say, people would say you're such a traitor. Um, okay, so I think that that pretty much... Oh, this one, because it's on a dark... Thing here, you have to stand on Olive Boulevard with a sign that says "I lost." Okay, all right, go ahead and spin it. Okay, let me get this mic here. I'm nervous. You should be. Oh, oh I dropped the the clicker thing. Hang on. Oh my gosh, the suspense. I, I think I broke it. You broke the wheel. Oh, oh shoot! I broke it. Can't spin it. I got it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Oh, there. That sounds good. Oh, man. What do we got? I have to do the whole show without thumbs. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. I guess it could be worse. I definitely don't want to have to say I love you to every person that we speak to. The puzzle thumbs for three hours, though. Not having them is going to be very difficult. Yeah, here's the thing. If we interview people, you just have to say I love you once to maybe three times a show. Right. But then you have to deal with their response. I think it would be better for you to have to say I love you than me. Because that if people are tuning in and they're not yeah. in on the joke, and I'm like, hey, Adam. Look, this could be pretty fun. I love you. Yeah, You've been great this but I can season. Just, I, I, I love can just you. say, love you, man. See, <laughs> I, I think it's easier for me. I think it's. That no, you can't say there. love you, man. You have oh, to say yeah. I, it's specifically hey, I, says, love you. I love you. <laughs> yeah, I can do it. But anyway, we didn't get that. You've got the uh, opposable thumbs. You, you have no thumbs for a show. So when do I have to pay up? When Tomorrow? would you like to pay I want to get out. I'm the type of person, if I have a list of tasks, hard thing out of the way. Tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow it is. We'll tape those thumbs, and you will not have opposable thumbs tomorrow. That'll be your punishment. How am I going to drink my water or You're my gonna coffee? You're going to have to. Uh, there, there's, you, you can use both hands. This is going. We, to be... We've seen it before. We've seen a guy that that does that. Just picks it up with both hands. I'm gonna have to buy a super long straw. straw. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. So there's the wheel spun because I know golf better than Michelle. Does. You lucked out. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs>
We're going to cross things over with Danny Mac, who loved the PGA Championship. He's next on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. We're getting ready for the Dan McLaughlin Show featuring BK, Danny Mack, joining us here for the crossover on 101 ESPN. And I know that, first of all, uh, you had a good weekend. Good to see you. I had a great weekend. I was uh, glued to the PGA yesterday. <laughs> I, I cannot wait to see the rating for CBS. Yeah. It has to be astronomical. You'd think so. I, I do. I mean, I think even if you were just a casual sports fan or you like golf even a little bit, you're like, that's a 50-year-old guy against the best in the world on a really tough course with with a guy that has been a closer in majors mm-hmm. in Brooks Kepka because he's going to you, you want to watch him play too if you're a golf fan. That was awesome. That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in sports ever. We we're kind of in the era of the mature athlete. Tom Brady doing what he's doing. LeBron still I doing what he's doing. Too. Phil Mickelson. Wayno. Wayno is a great call. Yachty is in the yeah. mix there. It, it seems like a lot of these guys have unlocked the key to preserving their body, and they're so in tune with the mental aspect of things. I, I got to wonder if it's the training methods have just improved so much, and maybe it's just a little bit of luck, too. Yeah, and, and And you got to have want to to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the other part. I've, I've always said, like, when you're thinking about the 300-game the, the winner in baseball, to me, is extinct. Like, you're not going to have it because of how the game has changed, uh, but also... You know, if you're, uh, let's say, Max Scherzer or some, I, I, you know, some of these guys that are like 220, 230, what's the motivation for them to go get 70 more wins when they've made 300 million, you know, million dollars? Mm-hmm. Right. I don't, I don't know what makes them. You know, some guys that what makes them tick is going and competing, and they just love the competition and the money is, whatever. But I just think that that in a lot of ways, you know, it just. Hey, I made my money. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I've been doing this forever, and I don't have the motivation to continue to go. I, what mm-hmm. What is the motivation for them outside of getting to these milestones or the competition? Because once you say no and it's over, they'll never find anything that's like that for them. Yes. There's nothing to replace that, which is I, – I also think COVID reminded some players about how much they miss it. That's a great point. You know, they, when it's it, taken away from exactly you know. not on their terms. Mm-hmm. So when you can walk away on your terms, or if the game just forces you out, that's one way to look at it. But COVID reminded a lot of people of, hey, here's a glimpse into your future. Um, there's four kids at home. They're screaming, and mom's mom. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you got to play dad. Eh, go out and make a few more million bucks and go play some baseball yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know, so. I do think that happens. How often are you going to see golf? golfers at the tee box closing their eyes and visualizing today i thought he the thing about mickelson that i noticed was how i bet it was driving kepka he won't say it i bet it was because he's a fast player yep i thought phil was so slow he was i mean he was it was deliberate it was and that's fine i mean it obviously paid off he won the pga championship but man he was really slow and how many times did he get to the ball address it step away think about what he wanted to do and it i love how uh, the microphones were catching the conversation with he and his caddy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it as a you know weekend duffer like we all are. It's like, okay, 150, that's going to be this thing. All right, whatever, just let it rip. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to put it you know, 10 feet to the right. I'm going to spin it. I'm going to make sure. It was like watching you know, Golden Tee for real. It was yeah. unbelievable. 
It's it's just fascinating. I love it. And if you're Tiger sitting there watching him do that at the age of 50, you have to be motivated even more. Not that he wasn't, because he's highly motivated to play golf, but you have to be even more motivated to know that there's a 50, there's a chance, slim one, because he's the first guy to ever do it, there's a chance that a 50-year-old can win a major. I, I would think so. I was wondering what Tiger was. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall with mm-hmm. Tiger watching that. Because really, Phil has been in the, the, the background of the Tiger era. And Phil has had an unbelievable career. What is it, 40 wins, six majors now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's the first golfer to win in four different decades. I mean, he's he's had an unbelievable career. Yeah, longest gap between his first win and uh, nobody's ever had 30 years between wins right. on tour. And he changed his body, changed his eating habits. Uh-huh. He, he noticed how long the game was going and how he had to change. And just, it's Hitting incredible, bombs. man. I love it. But it, do, it doesn't it seem like so many of these athletes that have the longevity they do, they they change their diet, they change their yep. workout. Most of them are talking about pliability and flexibility as opposed to weightlifting. They realize that as they are getting older, they, they have to adjust. And I just think the mental aspect of this cannot be overlooked. Yes, you have to have the physical gifts or else you're not going to get to a certain point. But you have to be so locked in mentally. And to see him visualizing and standing there and doing that, it reminded me of Mark McGuire. When Mark McGuire mm-hmm. told us during the home run chase that before each game, he would visualize him himself hitting a home run. And so many athletes now have, have mental performance coaches and things. I wish uh, the Cardinals would have maybe had some more mental aspects when they went 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. <laughs> I just right. say it. You know, thank you, Dan. That was a good series, though. It was, was a really good, series. entertaining series. There was a lot of a uh, lot of stuff to pull from that series, but the, the one thing I really noticed was when Yachty came up with the bases loaded on Friday night, the roof was ready to blow off that place. It was loud. Mm-hmm. That's as loud as I've heard it, obviously, in a long time. But even with limited fans, twenty five thousand, it was loud. It was a great atmosphere this weekend. I was there last night when Arenado stepped to the plate yep. in the seventh. Bases loaded, same thing. Yeah, I was there too. I oh, took, nice! Wasn't yeah, it great? It was great. I took my uh, two little girls and uh, the big girl, my wife, and we all went down there and had some fun, and it was great. Just it was nice to take in as a fan. Good for you. Yeah, it was cool. By the way, Michelle and I, as you know, we drafted players over the weekend, and three of our ten didn't make the cut. Maybe the most impressive thing Tiger has done went from February 5th of 1998 at the Buick Invitational to May 8th of 2005 without missing a cut. Wow. 142 consecutive 98 events. until when? 05? Until May 8th of 05. Wow. Yeah. He, he went seven years. That's incredible. Uh, DJ missed the cut this weekend. He's DJ, the world number one. JT. I'm aware. He was yeah. on my Xander team. Shoffley. Mm. Yeah. It's remarkable. I've the, played the that course. It is so hard. I can't imagine how um, those guys play at that level. Like what Phil did this weekend with the, because the wind does change constantly and it is always blowing hard no matter what. I guess it, well, when you go out really early, we played, and this has been years ago, this is probably 10, 11, 12 years ago, but when we played it, uh, it was in the middle of the afternoon and it was 20, 25 mile an hour winds and it was yeah. different winds on every single hole. It was crazy. Yeah, and you combine the length of Beth Page Black, literally, with the wind of Pebble Beach. Yeah, that's that's what you've got. It, it, there can't be a tougher course than not, the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island. That was awesome, though. I'll bet. Gosh, that was so much fun. Pretty cool. What do we have coming up on the Danny Mac Show? Shane Robert, uh, Shane Sugar Shane. Shane. Yeah, he's coming up. Oh, I heard uh, you book him live the other day. Yeah, we we asked him to. Co- <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah, it was great. That's so awesome. he was with uh, the Caps, Matt Caps, Caps and uh, so. 
I said, hey, hand the phone to him. And then we just said, well, why don't you just come on and we'll talk to you. So that was great. I wonder if he's having his weekly lunch with Matt Caps today, if you're going to have another situation Well, we, like we should find out and say, well, who are you hanging with? I, I was going to ask him that, you know, so <laughs> we can get more out of it than just uh, Sugar Shane, which will be great. Yep. But you never know. Maybe you get a two-for-one here. And it'll be fun to have Tony managing against the Cardinals tonight. It'll it's going to be, be cool. crazy. I, I think that's crazy. I still have watched him because uh, I like to flip around all the games. And when I see Tony in that dugout wearing the Chicago White Sox uniform with a mask on, and I'm like, this is just weird. Yeah, It is. It's crazy. But I think it's going to be fun. And Lance Lynn goes tonight, which yeah, is going to be, be even more fun. Cool. And for look, Lance is the kind of guy that is <laughs> – so personally, he, he was going to fly. I got to tell you this. So he was going to fly myself and Jim Hayes down to Texas at one point. And he, he, as he, we all know, he could be a little gruff, mm -hmm. you know, but it's just a show. And he said if we would show up, he would put his arms around us and say, guys, what do you need? What do we, we know? We want to do a sit down. How much, how much time do you guys need? Just to show that, you know, he's not that kind of guy. He's great, man. He's one of my favorites. So. Looking forward to it. And yeah. we're looking forward to this show. All right. Looking forward to it. Great job today by Marty Jenkins doing uh, yeoman work in place of the vacationing Michelle Butcher. Thank you, sir. Emily Butcher. Emily Butcher. Michelle Smallman. Thank you, guys. I'm just thinking of you. I'm uh, thinking you. of you without thumbs tomorrow. I'm glad tomorrow. I'm always on your mind, Randy. I appreciate yeah. that. So, uh, Michelle, uh, looking forward to you without thumbs. I am doing 75 hard tomorrow. Start. Yeah, day one tomorrow. Yeah. Join us if you so desire. Mm. Go out and get your uh, provisions for your healthy eating. Yeah. Good luck with that. Are you going to do it? I'm doing it. Oh, good. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to be SPN. Last like seven week, uh, seven days last time? No, 27 days. Okay. It's a pretty good chunk. Yeah, yeah it's it almost good. a month. That's good. So, yeah, I'll be good this time. Uh, for all of us, thank you for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face -face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.